Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Unsafe Space. You're watching Kofefi Break, which happens semi-weekly on Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined by a woman who really stepped up her game today in the hat department, <laughs> Gary Smith. That is... Hello, Carter. How are you? <laughs> that's a... You upped it, Carrie. I mean, you upped, I upped the ante. I upped it. I, I upped it. I'm not going to wear this the whole time because I realize it's silly. But I wanted to make a point <laughs> because we have some new viewers, which is awesome. Welcome, new viewers. But I noticed uh, a couple people said, more than one person said something like, I can't watch a woman in such a big, silly hat. Or something like that, and oh, really? I'm like, oh, you haven't seen Big and Silly. You no, this is Big and Silly. This is Big and Silly. My other hat is wonderful. What are you talking about? And actually, uh, I think we could get bigger and sillier, and that should be our goal for you. But whoever can find the biggest silliest hat, send it to Carrie, please, and she will wear it. <laughs> this is really good when you're out, out at the state fair. It's oh, yeah, like sure having your own parasol on your head the whole time. <laughs> I can see that. Um, which I also use parasols. I'm sorry, people, if you think that's weird. But here's the thing about my hats. As we've talked about before, I don't wear them all the time. I know people seem to think I do because I wear them more than 50% of the time. Uh, but uh, we're not in middle school. I, I can dress how I want, and I wear hats all the time. <laughs> half the and, time, she wears hats all the time. <laughs> or, well, yeah, half the time I wear them all the time. I wear them... <laughs> When I'm not indoors, yes, of course I do. I have curly hair. Once you've committed to a hat for the day, you don't take it off because your hair gets all smushed down. Um, but uh, I don't have to – I just find those kind of comments really weird. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Are you in sixth grade? Do we all have to dress the same? What is? And, and then I was thinking about uh, – this is just me, but somebody – Greg Wilson. Greg Wilson from Three Craters Symposium. He did a funny Photoshop of, of my dog, like this uh, Cujo-inspired poster. It's pretty funny. Uh -huh. And in it, he found a picture of me online with a shotgun, a picture that had been with me and my papa, and he oh, used yeah. that picture. I like I, that picture. I, it's kind of an, I like that picture, too. It's kind of an old one. It's it's not the one you're thinking of. I think it's a different one. Oh. And he, uh, I, I was looking at it, and I, it, it's kind of an old photo, and it reminded me of how I used to dress um, when I was a social justice warrior. Now, this is just me. It definitely, not only was I censoring myself a lot without realizing it, but I was constantly, you have this anxiety in the back of your head where you're making sure you say the, the correct things ideologically. And I don't have that anymore. I have a sense of freedom. And something I haven't really given much thought to is that it also allowed me to dress however I want. And, you know, I have friends now who I'm not saying that they're inhibiting themselves if they dress. Like I have a friend who wears only black and that's just her thing. And that's what she enjoys. My point is you should wear what you enjoy. Right. And if you're not wearing what you enjoy, I think it, the problem is with you. And, uh, you know, yes. if I if I if if I inspire people to start wearing hats, which hopefully I will, because I think everyone looks great in a hat, then great. And if I don't, I'm still going to wear them because I enjoy them. And if yeah, you can't watch a show, the hat, you're easily triggered. Hat yeah. Trigger. No, look, so. welcome to welcome to the show. New people. But I agree. There's some like I saw a weird comment this morning that was like, I had to watch this video with a skull in the background. And my reaction was like, <laughs> no, what? you really didn't. You don't have to watch it. You really didn't you have, have to watch, watch the video with the skull in the background, dude. Uh, 
Like it's named unsafe space. And we specifically talk about things that are offensive. So if you're offended by a painting in the background or a skull in the background or (laughs) Carrie's hats, you might not be in the right spot. Like if that's a problem for you, like this might not be your community. It's cool. There are other communities where people will get their panties in a twist for, you know, all sorts of things, but this isn't the community. Uh, so, and I agree. Yeah. Sec, uh, sorry, uh, Sandy Kins just said, <laughs> Carrie looks awesome in hats. More hats to come. I agree. I, I like Carrie in hats. I especially like your newsy hats. I don't know why, but your newsy hats are my favorite hats. I love well, that. That was my uh, boyfriend's father's. And so it also has sentimental meaning to me. And uh, Wait, did you just get quiet? All you got quiet all of a sudden. Did I? I'm tr- um, let me check my settings. Your mic just got quiet to me, and if to me, probably to everyone else. Yeah. While you're doing that, I'm going to brag about my tie. This is this tie is. Do it. I know <laughs> no one can get this tie because this is a Tabitha special made from the finest Maria Tuscan nice. yarn available. And I did learn how to tie a full Windsor knot for those of you who complaining. Uh, I also should point out to new people. We we actually had an interview yesterday, which isn't up yet, but the guy was like, assumed that I was like a shirt and tie attorney guy and that Carrie was, uh, I don't know, the opposite. <laughs> and and Carrie was like... Like a free spirit. Yeah. And Carrie was like, no, it's the opposite. I had to explain to him, so I'm going to explain to all of you new people. I wear the shirt and tie for one... I hate ties. That's why I don't um, pull them all the way up. I hate ties. I hate shirts and ties. The only time I wear them is for this show. And I do it for one reason, because nothing <laughs> scares social justice warriors more than a white guy in a tie. That's why I do it. So uh, it's an it's an outfit, and uh, I won't be wearing one at the new, the new Discourse Conference, probably. So maybe. Conference. Okay, so that's... Thank we you should guys. Announce that. We've hit our goal. Yes. Yeah. We are going to the Better Discourse Conference. We have an interview with the organizers coming out soon. And they were so interesting to talk to. They also do a podcast. It's called Myth Informed. Um, and we're going to be going next month. And some of our friends are speaking. Dr. K is speaking. Uh, Mike Harlow is speaking. Some of the people we've been able to interview for Unsafe Spaces. Uh, well, oh, well, Zuby was supposed to be there, but I think he can't go because of he's in the UK and there's a travel problem. Yeah. But, um, uh, Sean Fitzgerald, actual justice warrior speaking. So it's going to be really exciting. We hope to get some more interviews with people for the show while we're there. And can't thank you guys enough for helping us hit our goal so that Carter doesn't feel guilty about us spending money. So thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate it. It was awesome. You guys stepped up, helped us out. And we're, we will bring you some we will bring, bring you some content of one kind or another. I don't want to promise whatever it is because I don't even know if I can rely on the people who are going to be there or are supposed to be there to actually be there with the COVID stuff, but we will we will bring you whatever we can. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys. Um, and they still have tickets. If you guys um, are in the area or have the means to travel and go there, it's um, you can find info on their website, which is um, is I that it's betterdiscourseconference.com. Better Just look up better discourse conference on your favorite search engine that isn't Google, and you'll find it. Uh, let's do a couple super chats really quickly because they're already coming okay. in and I'm going to get totally behind on them if we don't address Welcome, them. Welcome, guys. Uh, it's it's so good to hang out with you guys on Fridays. I love it. 
It's nice. So it's nice. In fact, yeah. my daughter used to be like, "What do you guys?" She said this morning, "Your shows are more fun now that you have like interaction with your audience. It used to just be you and Carrie coming up with stuff to talk to, and that was fine. But she thinks that it's much better that we get to talk to the audience. So there needs to be an audience to talk to. So <laughs> there needs to be a community to have community discussions. So thank you guys. Uh, Ninja Kitty sends us twenty bucks, but also says it's a Kim Ray donation to Unsafe Space. I and thank you, Kim Ray. I'm not sure thank how it vectored through Ninja Kitty, but great. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it. Uh, let's see. What's the next one? Oh, another a $5 balance due from Kim Ray from Ninja Kitty. So apparently Kim Ray is vectoring. She's probably just uh, she's probably just laundering money, which is totally fine. Launder away. Go through Ninja Kitty. And uh, <laughs> that's a great way to clean your money. Um Dr. K, thanks, Dr. K. I want a T-shirt of Tiger barking at the mailman. Yeah, someone has to oh. memorialize that that in in uh, someone has to draw that. Speaking of which, I'm just going to plug this real quick, Carter, if you allow me. I have a website now. It's Carrie. I know, but you don't net. plug your personal wares on the show. I am. This is like well, a- I am. One time, I am because people ask for this shirt, and so you can go there if you want the shirts that are not unsafe safe branded. They're at CarrieSmith.net, and I'm plugging it. That's it. All right. Well, I will feel free to plug anything I want on the show from now on. Feel free. Uh, no, I don't. Not, <laughs> I, as a rule, we should not be plugging stuff that's not unsafe space stuff on the show. Uh, don't want to have For that any conversation fans now, who liked the but, you know. Waylon and Willie idea, that shirt is there. So thank you. <laughs> Carrie is literally competing with us. I don't know what she's doing right now, but this is what it's like to be a business partner, like have a business partner like this. It's crazy. Uh <laughs> All right, I would, Tom. I would have sold them in unsafe space if I could. Uh, all right. Well, anyway. Argue. Uh, five bucks from Dom. Dom, I just had a good friend block me off everything for publicly speaking out against JW ideology. I definitely need this show today. Much love. Hey, much love to you, Dom. And I have news for you. And it's sad, but harsh news. You did not have a good friend block you. He wasn't a good friend or she. Uh, good friends don't do that. Uh, you had someone who you thought was a good friend that turned out to only be an ally. So that sucks. That sucks. And people are losing a lot of friends right now. Um, <laughs> Cemetery of Choice says my head's going to explode. It is, you know, you got to roll with the punches, Cemetery of Choice. It's, you know, you deal with what you, you, you play with the cards you dealt with. You dealt, I don't know what the phrase is. I don't play cards. Uh, it sucks right. losing friends, though. I've lost good friends, too. So I get it. it. But you are also going to learn. I think you'll find that there are, like Carter said, that. It's almost like learning who your real friends are and what you're really losing is the illusion that this, that your bond, that your friendship with this person was strong enough to survive ideological differences. And, you know, it, it's, it's sad when it's not, but then you're going to create space for new friends. Well, and so. uh, Carrie and I probably disagree about this, but, uh, I don't, I don't think you can have friends with deep ideological differences. So I can't. Uh, I don't want friends. I don't want friends who fundamentally want to kill me because of their political views. Like, that's not like, hey, I want Marxism where you're a slave. I'm not your friend. I don't care how good you are at bowling or fun to hang out with or whatever. Like, those aren't like I'm not friends with people who want my death. That's not a thing. (laughs) And like this, this radical ideology, I I could not be. I know Carrie disagrees. I'm not saying. You know, you can't disagree. I'm just, 
I could not possibly be friends with someone who uh, believes that strong. I, it's it's a it's a words have meanings. Ideas matter. So I can be friends with someone who's like I disagree with you, but I think you should have free speech, and I don't want to force my ideas on you. Like okay, uh, but not other people. All right, broken umbrella. Thank you, Broken Umbrella. Broken Umbrella says, finally got around to Thank watching you, your Paul Vanderclay interview. It was great. I love how you guys have been talking off, taking off, sorry, and the cool people you're talking to. Yeah, that was a good one. If you missed it, especially Christians in the audience, I think he Paul was Paul Vanderclay. Good. Yeah. It was excellent. And we have another one coming out soon. We've already recorded um, with Tim Dukeman. Yeah. That's more specifically about um, SJW intrusion into the uh, Southern Baptist Church. That one's really fascinating. That so, would have come out this week if, if I had my crap together. <laughs> I was, I spent time this week. Yeah. My computer was so full. I don't Has anyone ever had this? Carrie, have you had this? My computer was so full that I couldn't empty the trash. It was like... <laughs> Your hard drive is too full to empty the trash. <laughs> so I had to do some moving mm-hmm. files around. <laughs> yeah, it was not a, it was not a, uh, I'm not very proud of that. Okay. Yarn Hoarder sends us one, says, uh, to one curly girl from another, I know the struggle, LOL. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. See, we know the struggle with hats. Once you put it on, you're committed. <laughs> Oh, really? Usually. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Thank you. Uh, Thank another you. one to why, from Why Bother. Thank you, Why Bother. It says, hello, my fellow wrong thinkers. Hello, Why Bother. Welcome. Welcome. And there's one I know I saw that I got. Okay. Here we go. Uh, another one from, uh, is it Jenilyn? Jenilyn. I'm going to say Jenilyn. Hi, Jen. <laughs> to buy character for a plug. One quick plug is that, okay, here's the thing about my site that I'm excited about. It's not finished yet, but I want to provide a resource for social justice warriors who are waking up and just a place to collect some of our unsafe space content and that I think is specific to form, like some interviews with former SJWs. It's not completely fleshed out yet. I have to add a lot to the resources page, but I'm so excited because I've wanted to have this up for a while. So, um, so there, thank you, Jenna, did my plug. <laughs> you guys all right uh keith the hack guy keith thank you for mentioning this because carrie and i had a conversation about this before the show keith says science is settled francisco d'anconia would slap your face for that line yes he would yes he would he's keith is referring to this thing over my shoulder let me get the camera right there we go uh carrie said hey i don't remember that, you basically said well, that's not true. Like, you don't like it. I don't like things that right. aren't true being – because, and I understand it's a joke, but um, I was saying that sometimes when you put things out there, it's like a magic spell when you're saying things that aren't true. I try not to even I, – I do still use sarcasm. I just try and use it when it's the best tool and not because it's the fastest tool anymore. Right. So I try not to use it carelessly, right. but I get it. I thought I it was funny because I think it's so obviously stupid, but uh, but my daughter simple. agrees with you. My daughter was like, I think you should put a question mark on it, but there wasn't really room for a question mark on it, so we left it. Um, but I didn't want it to be a question mark. I did, my argument against question mark was, well, it's not a question. Uh, the answer is always, no, it's not. 
So it's not even a question to ask, but I get it. I get it. You don't like the, I don't. So for those of you who don't get it, the science is not settled and never will be. Okay. <laughs> uh, Westy 40. Thank you. Westy 40. Love your hats, Carrie. I think the 20 bucks should go to buying a new hat. I'd love to see a big American flag hat. Go buy yes. a big American flag hat, Carrie. Thank you, sir. Uh, Thanks, Westy. Yeah. Uh, Chavez Chavez. Thank you, Chavez 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 says, no fighting in the unsafe space. There is always fighting in the unsafe space. It's just cordial and uh, we don't actually hate each other. That's all. But there are disagreements sometimes. Because Carter um, has a big elephant. Anyway. Carter Carter has uh, reason and experience running companies and building brands is what Carter has. Uh, and his elephant does get triggered. Yes, that is true. He does have an elephant. I agree. I have an elephant. All right, Christine Clement, uh, she gives us 50 bucks for nothing. Uh, thank, thank you, Christine. Christine. Ask a question, say something, tell, uh, tell us we're wrong about something. But thank you, that's a generous super chat. And EK Homer, Carrie, I want Greg W's design. I'm putting it on a shirt. You can have it. It's, I'm putting it on a shirt. Wait, what's so. Greg, wait, what's he talking about? He did a poster of Tiger, like a Cujo-inspired poster, and he said I could use oh, it. Oh, oh. Yeah, put that hilarious. on a shirt. Yeah, put that on a shirt. I am. It's yeah. carriesmith.net. Okay. Um, okay. Ken Lipson. <laughs> I lost two friends over my Trump support, but gained three net positive. Love you guys. Welcome, Ken. Uh, we love you guys as well, and you're sadly... I don't know if it's sad, but your story, you're not, you're not alone. I mean, a lot, like Carrie said, lots of people lose friends, but there are more, there are better people out there. You're going to, you're going to make better friends. Yeah. Yeah. There's All what, I don't know, 7 billion people had, in the world. Probably your circle of friends isn't the best. I mean, that's true for everyone. I, I, mean. I had a lot of fears about speaking out against my own belief system once I started to question it. And then, and then once I started to firmly oppose it and believe that it was wrong, um, but all those fears, like once you get past them, they're looking back. I know this is hard to see when you're on, on the one side of fear, but once you're on the other side, it's really like, wow, I wish I'd done that sooner. Um, it, it's only been, yeah, there's negatives. You're going to lose things, but nothing that, that you should, nothing that in my case, anyway, let me just speak for me. That wasn't worth losing and I gained so right. much more. So Yep. Uh, okay, hold on. There's more. Another one. Wow, you guys are busy this morning. Sass Marie. Sassy Marie. Sassy Marie. That sounds better. Discovered you guys a few weeks ago or a few weeks back. Love your content. Thank you, Sassy Marie. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Welcome to the content. Someone said, by the way, someone, in, it's not a super chat, but I, someone says, someone asked a question and I just have to answer it. Could I get banned if I tease Carter and his dyspeptic personality via super chat uh no you'll be thanked actually if it's via super chat carter will say thanks and uh you will not get banned you don't get banned for pointing stuff out sometimes i'm a jerk sometimes i have trouble believing things don't know how to respond lots of things to tease us about so um all right i think that's it for the super chats right now i think we got caught up finally which is great um <sighs> Carrie, it's been a, I feel like it's been a long week. There's a lot to talk about. I can't believe it's already the end of July and this week a couple things really pissed me off, so um I could probably yeah. rant for a long time, but who knows. Uh 
What's on your docket, or do you want to just do you want to just jump into something? Well, I mean, let's talk about the censorship of the America's Frontline Doctors. Because <laughs> great topic. <laughs> let's talk about that. Uh, I've I've never seen I've never seen. Okay, let well, me tell back people up. what happened first. Tell people what happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, these doctors came out, did a press conference, uh, created a website called America's Frontline Doctors. Um, and they put out the, a video of the press conference and in the press conference, there's several doctors talking. They have a pediatrician, they have people with different specialties and they're all basically saying that we should open back up. And they're also talking about treatments for COVID and they're talking about how the, uh, media is not letting us know. And the establishment, for whatever reason, is not talking about hydro- hydroxychloroquine combined with zinc and some other stuff. But in early outpatient treatment, again, they're saying that they've had success with this. And there was one doctor in particular, a black woman who's a, from Nigeria originally, and she's a doctor here in Texas. And she's said, you know, I've successfully treated over 300 patients, even people with pre-existing conditions and elderly with this combination of drugs and it's cheap it's it's cheap drug and you know right. they're for whatever reason they're not talking about this right and Dr. so Erickson was what, there the guy from the famous uh, the bakersfield doctor who had been previously banned mm-hmm. from youtube he was one of the doctors yep. yep and so they immediately so this this thing got the press conference got millions of views in one day and then what I have, I've seen so social media companies, big socials censor en masse before. They've done it to certain wrong thinkers before, but I've never seen them coalesce so quickly across platforms um, to collude and then to take something down. They've removed it from Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, uh, YouTube, yep. and then Squarespace took their freaking website down. Okay. Now, and this then, is why and I didn't media, choose Squarespace yeah. at the beginning. By the way, I feel so vindicated about that choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so they all and so they took their website down too. Yep, and it took them they five told, hours. Facebook it only took like a few hours before it was gone. It was quick. It was quick. It was fast. Yeah. And to see the reaction of people who are kind of what we call the the term NPC, which is sort of a meme, but non-player character. We, we use that term sometimes to describe people who it's like in a video game, the people who are programmed, the characters who are programmed that you don't actually play, the ones who are programmed to react, interact with your character based on what you do, who are programmed with an algorithm. Sometimes we say NPC for people who just sort of exist in the mainstream bubble in the legacy media narrative and don't consume any alternative media and just kind of trust what the, the elite tell them. And, and so for a lot of NPCs, they immediately started speaking what they were programmed with, which is to uh, denigrate the doctors, call them liars, to point to uh, the black woman has is is a some type of uh, religious leader as well, and to point to some of her so-called kooky views um, about demons and other stuff. And they and none of she this has kooky views, any, but yeah, yeah, but none of this has anything to do with her track record as a doctor and whether or not she has effectively treated 300 and something patients. Did we see any investigative journalism about that? Have they talked to her patients? I haven't seen that yet. 
all they've done is make ad hominem attacks against her. And but people are spouting all this. And it's so it's so crazy to me how they can so effectively get people to turn their brains off and to become mouthpieces for something that they themselves haven't investigated. It's kind of scary, you know, yep. um, that people just go along with it. And yeah. I don't know. I was really furious about it the night that that I saw that everything had been pulled down and I was texting Carter and Carter, you said <laughs> Carter's like, well, I'm not furious about it. Cause I expect the media lot to lie to me. You know, it's kind of like you're sort of, if you get upset every time a baby poops its diapers, the baby's going to poop its diapers and the media is going to lie to you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to differentiate. I was, I was talking to Maria Tuscan about this too. And it was like, uh, I had to differentiate, like I am angry about it, but I'm not like, I'm not like outraged and shocked because I expect it. It's like, ugh. like it, it's more of like a frustration. Like, Oh, again, like an eye rolling anger more than like, a. uh, I can't believe they did this because <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, of course they said, of course they censored it. I'm surprised Breitbart got away with streaming it to Facebook at all. Uh, I'm surprised Breitbart has a Facebook account. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that it's, it's possible to even get this message out. So, um, yeah, and, and I don't want to, I actually don't, I haven't, I don't know if you have Carrie, I know both of us are kind of interested in d digging into the COVID thing a little bit more and, and learning more, but I haven't dug into it. I'm not saying what these doctors were saying was correct. I don't know. Uh, but I, I will say they made some good points and there's no reason why we shouldn't be exposed to other opinions. Uh, there was, there used to be a thing in medicine called get a second opinion. Uh, yeah, I guess. Remember that? I guess that doesn't exist anymore. Get a second opinion unless Dr. Fauci is your first doctor. And then you never get a second opinion or the WHO or whatever. But, you know, they made some good points. And this is one that I think anyone should know. Like a few points that should are red flags that everyone should be suspicious of. One of them is hydrochloroquine was and has been used for decades. Uh, not considered very dangerous. Like you would take it. Uh, as a malaria preventative, if you're going to a foreign country, or and maybe an, also an anti-malarial drug, uh, after you got yeah. it, I'm not sure. But you would take there's circumstances where you would take it, and it wasn't considered like this hugely dangerous thing. It was widely available. Only after COVID has suddenly the establishment, particularly in the United States, gone haywire about like they've gone apeshit about hydrochloroquine, and they're like. It's bad. We they've banned it. You can't get it. Right? It's horrible. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Well, it wasn't dangerous for the last two decades. It hasn't changed. The substance didn't change. The existence of COVID doesn't change the danger of hydrochloroquine. Like there's no. So they they have these weird. It's a totally irrational reaction that should make any rational person go. That's odd. That doesn't make sense. That like why? That doesn't make sense. So they they point that out. The other thing they point out is. Um, double blind studies and blah, blah, like there's, oh, you need double blind studies and blah, blah. That's all true. I totally agree with that in science. In fact, uh, in a lot of, there's a lot of pseudoscience that's supported without double, without like reproducible double blind studies. There's a huge re reproducibility problem generally, especially in the softer, quote, softer sciences, but even in some of the in medical sciences and that kind of stuff. So yeah, totally. We need that. However, we also need to act based on all available information to us at the time, because you don't just sit there. If you've got cancer, you don't just sit there and go, well, I'm going to wait for a double blind study to prove the cure, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, 
I'm gonna, that might work. It worked for other people. There's anecdotal evidence. I'm gonna try it. Like, because you're gonna try whatever, especially if it's something that is, uh, has low downside, right? In fact, didn't Trump sign the the Right to Try Act specifically I so think people he did. with I, I think cancer right. can try experimental uh, treatments? Because it should be their choice if they right. want to, you know, when you have a cancer diagnosis. And if I were to um, test positive for COVID, you're damn straight. I would suddenly be doing all the research on hydroxychloroquine. And I, I think I pre- feel pretty confident that I would be asking for that in zinc um, if it were in the early stages, right, if it were outpatient. Right. Um, I, think right. I, took, I think I took hydroxychloroquine. I can't remember if it was that or larium. But 20 years ago, when I went to Tanzania, I had to take. I was on a anti-malaria drug. Right, right. And, uh, they both cause side effects. Have you seen all the drugs that Americans are on these days? Have you seen the commercials? Oh, I Every mean, look, drug, eat clean for a while, side. and then go to fast food, and you'll find what side effects yeah. mean. Like, <laughs> side effects are something every average American deals with every day. Uh, so, yeah, I I agree with you. And it's someone just said that the drug's been around for seven decades. I, that sounds long, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's super old. But yeah, so they made that point. They made the point that uh, um, the drug's been around, and suddenly now it's supposed to be viewed as this horrible thing. In many countries, you can just get it. Like it's not even it's over the counter or easy to get a prescription for. Uh, but in the U.S., it's difficult to get. Now it wasn't. Now, but it's difficult now like- that Trump said he might like it. Suddenly it's bad. Uh, Suddenly and, and Judson points out that some of the states have restricted access to it. Yes. You have right. politicians deciding what medications, what treatments you have access to. What What's wrong with that? It, it, right. My politicians should – I don't want to hear from him. I want to hear from my doctor. Right. the doctor I get a second opinion from. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And so the, But the other thing that they point out and, and the, the one that people were making fun of – um, the the Texas doctor who had the kooky beliefs, she was a little bit sloppy with her language, but she made a point that uh, again she made it a little bit sloppily. But I, I I think her point was was valid, which is when you're in the middle of a pandemic, um, you don't you don't wait for double blind studies if there's anecdotal evidence that something that's a known drug so that you already know is low risk. If there's anecdotal evidence that that seems to be working, you maybe try it. You go ahead and give people the freedom, not that, well, people should have the freedom anyway, but you go ahead and recognize their freedom to to try different things and figure it out because we're figuring this out as we go. And the idea that uh, the science is settled on COVID and like we, we've got a hydroxychloroquine doesn't work and da da that's just not true. It's not settled. There, people don't know. And when you're operating in ambiguity, to cut off one of the avenues of, of exploration is a death sentence for people. It's it's literally a death sentence for people because there are people who can't get these drugs. And um, she also pointed – I think it was her who also pointed out something about the a lot of the clinical trials that supposedly demonstrate that it doesn't work. Her argument was, no, no. I think it was her and someone else were arguing – it it's uh it works prophylactically the success they've seen is prophylactically and early stages not once it's an advanced stage so it's like it can help stop it from kind of taking hold but not you know if it's if you're already like heavily infected maybe it doesn't really do much and so 
that's a difference in in what they're saying and what the studies are saying. And um, no one is bothering the, – the media is not bothering to investigate this one iota. There is like, no. literally zero investigation. It's just wrong think doctors, ban, take down – Scream around that they want your grandma to die and they're crazy people and make sure that the dumb Americans don't listen to the doctors who are going against the smart WHO people. Um, it is – it's unconscionable and it's extremely condescending. If you had any question about how the elite establishment views you, you're a farm animal. So, and farm animals take the drugs that the farmer wants them to take and farm animals don't decide what their diet and drugs are. That's not up to farm animals. John Miller in chat says that hydroxychloroquine is only 83 cents per pill. There's a reason why it's vilified. There's no money to be made for pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Interesting point. I know. I think that's, uh, I think he's spot on with that. And as someone who, I think a lot of people look at, like, because I call myself a capitalist and a free market, free market guy. And a lot of people look at that and assume that I'm going to, like, love big businesses all the time. And uh, I want to make a clarification about that. I have a lot of respect for successful businesses that are successful in a free market. We're not in a free market. And depending on what segment of the market you're in, it's more or less free. So if you're going to come out with a, I don't know, a competing piece of software, it's relatively free market. If you're going to come out with a new drug, Mm. <laughs> it's not a free market at all. Anything related to healthcare, it's extremely regulated. So we've got very small number of very, and what that means, I mean, we, I won't get into it all. I've talked about regulatory capture and all that stuff before, but what that means is you end up getting power consolidated in a few large players that have cozy relationships with government, same as banking industry, by the way. Um, and those large players aren't necessarily, uh, they're not subject to normal competitive uh pressure that they would be subject to on the on the free market. They have a special cozy relationship with the government because there's approval. I mean, FDA approval is uh, it's a nightmare. It's extremely expensive. Um, it's it locks out people from competing with them. So you do end up with this relationship between the government, predominantly bureaucracy, I would guess, probably not elected politicians so much, but you end up with a, a cozy relationship with the bureaucracy and the major players and it's a it's a little bit of a mini oligarchy it's not really free market it's like well these are the approved companies and we got a relationship and we trust them and we're kind of in charge of your pharmaceuticals and so they can't make money off of this it's exactly john pointed out in chat they can't make money off of this and so they have every incentive to i don't even know if they're doing it oh like they might not be doing it overtly but they have every incentive to throw lots of misinformation about or lots of questions. Oh, I don't know about this hydroxychloroquine stuff. You guys should be careful. Did you read this study? Let's go find a study over here. Hey, hey, guys, this is got to be very careful. Double blind. You should really wait for our vaccine, which will be very expensive. That's that's what you should advise the public to do. All that crap happens behind the scenes, um, partly because it's a uh, it's a it's a heavily regulated semi-government run subsector of our economy um, so. well we have a doctor in chat too who was saying that he or she um prescribes this almost daily for different things and that yes it's pretty cheap so you would see someone yeah 
And, yeah. and lots of people have pointed out in chat that this is a drug that's used for a lot of different kinds of autoimmune disorders like lupus. Mm. Um, oh, lupus. That's right. That's the one I heard. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty regularly prescribed. It's it, to suddenly act like you can't take it for this one thing over here because of the side effects that we've known about for decades is right. ridiculous because the side effects we know about when we prescribe it for everything else and they don't have pieces coming out of the right. the cathedral, the legacy media saying, hey, don't take it for lupus because of these side effects, you know? It's, it's like suddenly, can you imagine a new bacteria coming out and the entire government and, and, and some doctor saying, I think penicillin's actually pretty effective early on in treatment. And, they, and the government going, no, penicillin has massive side effects. You should stay away from penicillin. It's dangerous. How dare Trump say, let's take penicillin off the market. We need to just remove it from, from pharmacies right away. It's, it's, it's kind of like that. Uh, I'm currently on penicillin, by the way, for my cat bite. And I think. Yes, it's there's some side effects that I'm noticing. Can can I I'm, can I, I share an article with you that's related to, to this? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to share this article. Um, also pissed me off, but along the same lines. <laughs> this came out in Forbes. Okay, just the headline should <laughs> boil your blood. You must not quote do your own research when it comes to science. Okay. So. This person, I almost used a ad hominem, but I'm going to calm down. Calm this down. person, Ethan Siegel, uh, who's an astrophysicist, uh, he says, I don't want to read this whole article, but his point is, you know, he says, research both sides and make up your own mind. It's simple, straightforward, common sense advice. And it, when it comes to issues like vaccine, vaccinations, climate change, and novel I'm sorry, novel coronavirus, SARS-2, COVID-2, it can be dangerous, destructive, and even deadly. So, and then he talks about most of us, the reason is that scientists, um, they have relevant scientific experience, and we, the rest of us, lack that experience to be able to, to, be able to evaluate the research on our own. In our own fields, um, we're aware of the full suite of data and how these puzzle pieces pieces fit together, but you can understand it. And I don't want <clears throat> to give this article any more uh, attention, but I, but this attitude is important. And I want to, mm -hmm. I want to point something out about this guy's wrong. Um, and I want to point something out about this. If, if you read this article and you don't have to read this article to hear this attitude, this attitude is very commonly reflected in the cathedral. Um, a couple points I want to say, first of all, Mostly we do trust experts. I mean, you don't even think about how much you trust experts. Like uh, any scientist, like scientists, their, their conclusions in physics, chemistry, uh, like a whole bunch of fields, uh, like you trust them all the time with your life. Every time you get into a car, mostly you trust scientists and you don't understand underlying what's going on. You don't, none of us do. I mean, no one understands all of it, right? Uh, most of us, Trust scientists, um, except for social justice warriors. They're they're not sure about math. Um, but when it comes to things like health, for example, there is more disagreement. He's right about that. There's disagreement about health, but those are there's rational reasons for that disagreement, and there, there's a few of them. Not the least of which, the medical like health profession. They they have a history of doing a great job at inventing ways to correct problems, like physically fix things. 
they don't have a great track record of explaining how general health works or how you can stay healthy. Like, do you remember the food pyramid? It's, it's not about preventative so much as it is making money once you have something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. But, but like, they, they, it's not like they have the perfect track record. Yeah. There was the food pyramid. Um, but, you know, but even for that, we mostly trust experts. Very few people are like, I don't believe that smoking's bad for you. Right? Like, most people are like, all right, I, I trust the experts. Um, but he gives some examples that he is pissed off about. And one of them is fluoridation. Apparently, there's a small group of people who don't want any water fluoridation and claim that it's totally unnatural. Now, uh, there's, there are issues with lots of fluoridation, my understanding, but like probably middle ground. I, I, I don't know. But there were there was conspiracy theorists for a while saying fluoridation leads to low IQ, blah, blah, blah. There is now some evidence that maybe a lot of fluoridation when when a pregnant woman ingested, it does actually, it could actually lower the IQ of a fetus, but it might be in certain cases. And I don't want to make it sound like it's a huge crisis. So then maybe there's a grain of truth in some of that. But in general, it's probably good. It's good for your teeth. Um, vaccination, he brings up. But the thing is, most people actually don't argue with that either. Most people do accept what what science, what quote, quote, scientific consensus has. But what he's upset about is that everyone doesn't always defer to scientists. And that's different than most people mostly referring to, like deferring to them. He's, he's mm -hmm. mad that everyone doesn't always defer. And what he's leaving out is that science and scientists aren't the same thing. And there is, a, there is, there is truth that you need context to develop to, like to, to adequately weigh um, scientific theories. Like you need context, you can't, like I couldn't go in and, and settle a debate between two different neurosurgeons on the right way to do something. Like I just don't have the context, right? I could never do that. Um, or even COVID, like I'm not gonna be a COVID expert. I can see what scientists say, but right. Um, however, there's a principle that uh, I wanna introduce to you guys from security. It, this is a like computer security, but I think it's security generally. And that is, it is way, way harder to build a secure system than it is to attack a system. And there's an easily there's an easy reason for that. To to break into a system, let's say you've got a hundred thousand lines of code in some system. To break into it as an attacker, all I have to do is find one mistake you made. One thing that you did wrong, you got a buffer overflow error, there's a timing attack somewhere, you did one thing, you didn't understand how the code compiled in this way, and now there's a timing attack and I got in, right? To make a secure system, you need to make zero errors. <laughs> like you need to make sure that everything is is kosher. And you can apply that to science. This is why science is actually never settled because science comes up with a theory for something and someone is constantly, people are constantly, other scientists are constantly poking holes in it. Where does it fail? What's wrong with it? And if they find a failure in it, then that theory needs to be revised. Now, sometimes that failure is like a catastrophic failure, but usually that failure is like a revision. So uh, Newton, I would argue that Newton's, Newton didn't fail. He just, there was a context. And someone said, hey, actually, when, when objects move closer to the speed of light, this stops applying, we need a broader context for this, right? And then you get Einsteinian physics instead of Newtonian physics. You can and are responsible for you can review what scientists are doing and saying and seeing if there's one mistake they're making, that's a red flag. And you can view those mistakes. I'm going to bring up a climate change one because it's a controversial topic. And he brought up climate change as an example. Well, uh, 
climate change scientists are running around showing us smooth data to try and show that, hey, look, the temperature is suddenly wildly going up. And they've used data smoothing techniques to smooth out over like periods, I think it was like three to 600 year periods or something around their, on their graph. And you see this graph all over the place. Well, uh, if you don't smooth the data in that way, you notice that it's always been quite variable and this isn't some unique massive uptick. Um, it's just that we're measuring it in a short period of time and the previous data was smooth. Now, there's there's probably some counter arguments to that, but the point is they continue to push this out as if that's, that's, that's what we should be looking at. That is dishonest science, which causes you to do something you should do with all scientists because scientists aren't science. You should question their motives. You should question people's motives. Scientists are not science. In fact, every major breakthrough in science, almost every major breakthrough in science, has come against the consensus of most scientists. It's been some loony scientist who's like, I don't think the Earth revolves, or I don't think the, the uh, sun revolves around the Earth. I think, I think the Earth revolves around the sun. Heresy, horrible. That's not what, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the contrarians that move science forward. So the idea that you should always listen to the consensus because the consensus is always right is just false. That's not how science works. It's completely false. And you do have a responsibility to decide for yourself what you can do without being a climate change expert or without being a doctor or without being a virologist. You can evaluate people and their motives. And if you notice things like, gee, all the climate scientists all seem to say that the answer is big socialist government. I wonder if they have a motivation here that goes beyond objective science. Like as soon as you notice things and as soon as you, there are red flags that indicate they might have an agenda beyond objectively reporting to you the scientific facts, you can and should question their integrity. And COVID is a great example because the fact that they can't listen to Dr. Erickson and these other people, they're the problem. Dr. Erickson and these other people aren't trying to shut them down. They're not saying we shouldn't listen to the other side. In fact, they're going out of their way to say the opposite. They're going out of their way to say, well, we're not certain. There's two sides to this, but here's the side, you know, this is the side you're not hearing. You should hear both sides. It's, it's, the, it's the, quote, scientists in the establishment that are saying, don't listen. Don't consider other data. That's a red flag. That means that they are biased in some way. They are not operating with the scientific integrity that this guy, this guy wants you to think of scientists as gods who are always objective, never make mistakes, never have another agenda. They're not human. They, they never work in, in concert with the state or for any other agenda. They're only ever project, like giving you objective facts. That's just not true. It is not true. And it is your job. And it's your job to evaluate them and the day that we stop asking scientists to justify themselves is the day science is dead. Because scientists, without anyone questioning them and forcing them to justify themselves, isn't science. That's priests. Those are priests. Those are priests. And what is being pushed right now in the name of science is worship of a scientific priesthood. And that is not science. Science is saying, hey guys, why the hell did you ban hydrochloroquine and, and tell us that it's got bad side effects when it's been used for decades? Why aren't you having these discussions with these doctors? Why are you taking Dr. Erickson stuff off of YouTube, guys? Why can't we have an open discussion? That's awful suspect. 
That's rational thought, and that's the basis of science. Sorry, that was a long rant. Pisses me off. It pisses me off. You. When people do this shit with science, it really pisses me off. I agree with you. Uh, something the little ragamuffin pointed out in chat while you were talking, which is a good point. Uh, she's talking about how smoking is bad for us. We all agree that this yep. is not good for your health. Yet, we are requiring masks to people in public for something, for a virus that has less than 1% death rate. But we don't tell people you can't smoke. Smoking isn't illegal. Now, we've regulated it in certain places. We've regulated it, you know, uh, uh, Bloomberg was one of the first, I think, that started really clamping down on so. what he viewed as bad habits and instituting taxes for bad habits. And when he was running for president recently, we saw him talking about expanding some of that, like doing more of that and, and you know, taxes on sodas and things like that. But you don't see this huge push from the culture and from the media to shame people for their bad habits, whether it comes to what they eat or smoking. You know, people who have, people who are obese have a lot of problems if they catch COVID. There's, and that's something that the legacy media doesn't really want to talk about or address. And the culture hasn't really, that hasn't been pushed to the forefront of the discussion. There's no shaming about people's dietary habits. There's no discussion about what people, people should and should not be allowed to eat. Um, or if they should be allowed to smoke at home around members of their family who are inhaling that secondhand smoke, you know, oh, it's there a, will be though, probably it's, 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 I don't know. It's, it's weird to me that people, um, can accept bad justifications for tyranny and then not stretch their mind to think, well, what if this tyranny were coming and threatening something that I didn't agree with? Right. Like what if it were saying that you don't have a right to go to McDonald's because it's not good for you to eat that? Well, th this is the like, fundamental divide that we've talked about before in society <clears throat> and that I don't think is an IQ divide. I think it's a psychological, a psychological divide, which is the divide between people who um, view themselves as sheep or or potential leaders. Like they want to be they want the the the, the boss employee dynamic. They want that. They want the tyrant, the oppressor oppressed dynamic. They like that dynamic. They they want to be. Tell me what to do, or let me tell you what to do. They're the same category of people. They're two sides of the same coin. And then there's people who are like, you know what? Uh, I don't want to be told to do what <clears> to do, and I don't want to tell anyone else what to do. There's the, there's a great rant. Do you remember the movie Demolition Man? Uh, yes. But just hey, real quick, somebody in the chat says smoking isn't contagious in the same way. No, but you can make an analogy to uh, contagion, and that is my my grandfather smoked for about. I don't know, 50 years of his life. He smoked for a very long time before he quit. And the reason he quit was because my grandmother who didn't smoke, uh, she went in for a checkup and they asked her if she was a smoker based on what they saw in her lungs, just from living with a smoker for that long. So you can affect people with your secondhand smoke. That's an analogy you can make. Anyway, of course. Of course Demolition Man. No, but do, do you, you remember Demolition Man? I've seen clips of it. I don't remember the whole thing. You should watch it. It's a great movie. There's a okay. there's a great Dennis Leary quote. Uh, like he rants in this movie about uh, he's like the classical like libertarian dude. I don't remember what he he I don't I can't repeat his rant. I don't remember it. But he he has this like 
I want to get fat and eat cheeseburgers and run naked down the street and spread jello on my body. He just like everything. He just, I want to do whatever. He just wants freedom. Uh, and there are, there are, there are those people who are like, I just want to be able to like, yes, smoking is bad. And I want to smoke. I don't personally want to smoke, but people make that decision. And we are increasingly in a society full of people who are willing to accept the argument that you just gave, which is, well, it's bad for people to do blah, blah, blah. So we shouldn't let them do it. And that's been applied not just to smoking. You see it in there's sugar tax. There's sugar tax here in the Bay Area. Um, there's there's sugar tax, I think, in New York City as well now. Um, there's uh, there's talk of like uh, sugar tax on sodas and other things elsewhere. There's this idea that like, well, we need to control what you have access to you to do because you're too stupid to uh, to make the right choices. And the truth is, some people are too stupid too stupid to make the right choices. That that's true. Some people are, but that's the difference between being someone who wants to be free or so, and someone who wants to be a farm animal. Um, so uh, Carrie Carrie's leaving. Carrie's she's gonna leave me. That's fine. She'll be back. I'm going to do some super chats while she's while she's gone. All right. Nicole Pratt. Thank you, Nicole. Nicole says, this is Nicole of the Mountain People, by the way. Uh, counted Facebook friends who follow Trump versus Biden pages. It was 367 Trump, 25 Biden. Two are Trump lurkers. Can we talk about a real possibility of media and DNC stealing the election with mail-in, et cetera, and what we will do afterwards? Uh, <laughs> what, are you just trying to bring us down, Nicole of the Mountain People? I mean, we were all fired up. Now we've got to kind of be brought down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a real, it's a real possibility. Um, I don't know what Carrie thinks. She likes to talk about politics more than I do. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's a real possibility that they'll steal the election. I think they are, we talked about this previously. I think they're setting us up for stealing the election because they're, um, They've been talking so much about how Biden is ahead and Biden is this and Biden is that. Um, the the danger with Biden, I've said this before, it's the same as the danger. The danger with Biden is actually the same as the danger with the libertarian candidate and the same as the danger would be with a normal Republican uh, candidate, which is if you're not explicitly anti-social justice, if you're not fighting social justice ideology, if you don't recognize the, the, the problems with it, you will succumb to it. And Biden is literally a puppet of this ideology. Um, Carrie's back. Carrie, we are answering a question from Nicole about the likelihood of a or the possibility that the, the media slash DNC will steal the election. And I was just mentioning that we talked about before oh. that they're kind of setting us up for that with their Biden is great stuff. Um, and now they want mail in ballots They're kind of pushing permanent mail in yes. ballots and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Well, I think that I don't know. I think I think that if if they don't rig it, Trump is going to win with even more support than he won with in 2016. But that's just based on my gut and anecdotal evidence of myself and others who literally cried the night he won, who are now voting for him. I know a lot of people like myself who were opposed to him, who don't agree with everything he does. Um, but who think that he's the best choice and who have either walked away from the Democratic Party for good or at least are willing to um, hold their nose and vote for him rather than Biden. 
And so well, I think she's I think, not worried I, about him not winning. Yeah. I think she's worried about this. Well, that's, yeah. Right. I'm just building my case for, it. I oh, think okay. he would win if there is no, this is why I think he would win is because of anecdotal evidence and, and just my gut feeling. Right. But I am also, uh, I'm pretty afraid that, that they have rigged it in some way. I mean, certainly we know that the social media companies are doing all they can to sway public opinion the journal, the mainstream media is doing all it can to sway public opinion. So he, they didn't expect him to win last time. And frankly, I'm shocked that he did. A, a lot of people were shocked that he did. And they, we've seen hidden, hidden camera footage of Google executives saying that they view it as their job to make sure that Trump 2016 doesn't happen again in 2020. They view that as their job, not giving you a good search algorithm, but giving you an algorithm that skews your opinion, that's what they view as their job because it's this arrogant, entitled, elitist view that they're smarter than you. And just like these, the article you showed, this idea that uh, they know what's better for you and that you need to trust them, but you poor, dumb uh, sheep. And so so I think I, I'm, I'm afraid that they fixed it in one way or another. They've certainly you know, circled all the, the wagons. They've certainly, they've yeah. been doing everything they can and and what's amazing is that some I read a tweet this morning that somebody was pointing out, um, even if the polls are right, which I don't think they are. I don't trust the polls, not after the last election. But even if the polls are right, you would expect Biden to be ahead by a lot more than he is because in the polls, because because all of the major wrong thinkers who were backing Trump in 2016, who had huge followings, have been banned They've been unpersoned. They've been banned from all platforms. All platforms colluded to get rid of them. So people like, whether you like them or not, it doesn't matter. The fact is they were big voices for Trump. Milo, Alex Jones, Paul Joseph Watson. You know, all these big figures have been banned. And then they're going after figures who have um, gained a following since then. And so those people have been effectively silenced in the public square. And then on top of that, you have a legacy media that's acting like a propaganda outlet. Like I was reading some quotes from Stalin the past few days, and they, it was making me think a lot about our media. There's some you know, great Stalin about the quotes. Media. Yeah. yeah, about the media as a tool. And so the media has been over the top, just down on Trump, up on Biden. You'll never open the New York Times or turn on CNN and see them saying something positive about Trump ever, even when he does something like – the right to try act or something that you save might a baby that. from a burning building yeah. and stick, you know, he would, they'd, they'd be would pissed still, off that they're he, never going you know. to, yeah, they won't report on it or they'll find a way to attack it. And, and that's a, that's an observable fact. Even if you don't like Trump, do a test and try to keep yourself honest and go look at the New York times and go watch CNN and tell me, tell me, is there anything positive they ever say about him? No. Why is that? Now, I know what the I, I know what the, their response is going to be because they are in a echo chamber and they're in a cult. And if your response to that is to say, well, that's because he never does anything good and this is just reflecting reality, you need to stop and say that sentence again and think about it. And does that sound likely that someone never does anything good? Have, do you even know about the the right to try act or about prison reform or about some of the things that he's done that, that as a, as a person on the left, I support. And as a person on the left, you should support. I don't know. The left, I don't really know. Lefties support the right to try, but the prison reform, they should. 
Prison um, reform, yeah. Yeah, no. Putting I, but, money into black communities, you know. But their argument uh, will be, to, well, he's just doing that to hide his Hitlerian tendency. tendency. <laughs> like they, that, they're just, you know, uh, it's it's he's, he's just that's a distraction because really what he's after is, you know, eating babies, whatever it is. Well, so the point about all that is that since everything is so stacked against him, with the social media companies censoring pushing down conservative sites, pushing up pro-Biden stuff. Um, since since YouTube is censored and, you know, censors anyone who doesn't agree with social justice ideology, um, demonetizes videos like ours, you know, goes after anyone who's criticizing the dominant narrative. Since the deck is so stacked, you would think that Biden would be even further ahead in the polls than he is. So that's interesting to me, too. Yeah. But. On the other hand, he's like... <laughs> literally a marionette in a basement right now literally but like he's a puppet he's just in a basement like okay he's not a marionette but uh wait is the marionette the person who controls the puppet maybe he's the puppet the marionette the marionette the the puppet puppet. itself okay what do you call the person that's on streams other than puppet master the puppet master that's it the puppeteer 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 is good uh puppet master was a great metallica album okay um yeah i mean if they steal the election, uh, I don't think we're in for immediate trauma uh, on the streets or anything. But I think it gets bad relatively quickly because Biden puts in, you know, you're going to have uh, AOC economics mixed with Beto gun <laughs> control. Mixed, like it's, it's the worst of everything because Biden doesn't stand for anything himself. So, uh, and of course, the social justice left will, will, will pressure him and he'll cave. So on anything that he might propose, he will just cave. Uh, if Trump wins, I think because, so I, I think they have been stacking the deck. Absolutely. Obviously, we agree on this. I think if Trump wins despite the deck stacking, uh, they're going to be just as unprepared as they were in 2016. I think they don't expect it again because I think this time they they're don't. like, because they didn't learn their lesson. And so what they've done is doubled down and like, we need to really go into the racist narrative harder. That's what we did. That we failed because we didn't really explain how much he was a racist and how Trump supporters are racist. We didn't call we him that really enough. really do yeah. it, right? And like when that, if, if that fails, um, and you know, mix in some fraud, maybe it won't fail. But if that fails, um, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's another George Floyd-like spark. Uh, in terms of un- civil unrest. Oh, there will be ca- chaos in the streets. Yeah. yeah, they will be out in full force burning things down. You know, yeah. it's funny because they always they project a lot and they talk about him not, you know, if he doesn't win, he's not going to accept the results of the election. I remember them saying that in 2016 and I, I believed do. them. And then I saw who really didn't accept the results of the election. Um, it, somebody says in comment, this is not a super chat, but I just wanted to read it because this is, again, this is in line with my anecdotal evidence of, mm-hmm. you know, the people I know and have talked to. Daniel Keene says, my mother, who is a lifelong Democrat and hates Trump, is going to either not vote or vote for Trump because she sees that Biden is not fit for office and she doesn't know who controls him. Yeah. Right. That's exactly why I know. I know people who have decided they're not voting as a matter of principle. And I know people who do not like him, who have decided they're voting for him. Because at least he's at least he's not be I, you know he's controlled by his getting. ego. 
Yeah. They know what they're getting. You can see who controls him. It's it's him. It's his ego. It's his narcissism, <laughs> right. in my opinion. But yeah. Biden. No, I, is just I think that's a, a universally accepted opinion. <laughs> Biden is a puppet, and I've said this before. But some, uh, I understand that most politicians are puppets, but some puppets have bigger puppet holes than others. And he has a very large puppet hole with lots of hands up there. That's gross. <laughs> lots of hands. <laughs> That's such a gross image. He has lots of puppet holes. I don't even. Curry. No, his puppet hole is very Can you large. come up with some better <laughs> metaphors? Oh, my God. Can you make them strings? There's lots of strings. There's lots of puppet something. I don't want to think about Biden's puppet holes. Uh. <laughs> that is horrible. <sighs> All right. Um, yeah. Let's let's move on from that one. Uh, why bother? Thank you for sending us a super chat. Why bother says, well, the brain drains a lot of energy stored in the body. It's much easier to be an NPC. Sometimes when I'm particularly tired... I'd like to not have compulsory need for analyzing things in life. Actually, why bother? I thank you for the super chat. I love that uh, because I'm, my wife and I talk about that sometimes, and we kind of feel like we're being silly and stupid. But if if I've had, you know, there's some days where I'm just like, some days I'm just doing stuff that's not intellectual. But some days it's like a lot of intellectual work all day long. I'm reading something, and like when I read, when I read, uh, you know, critical theory crap or or postmodern crap or whatever. Like when I read some of this other stuff or even stuff that I like, I often take notes to make sure I can understand it. I'm like, oh, this is what I think about it. And this is, I'm like summarizing it in my own words. And that's difficult intellectually, at least for me. Maybe it's easy for some people, but um, I'm tired at the end of that. It's like, oh God, like I just (laughs) want to veg at the end of the day. Like I'm tired, I'm tired. Um, And uh, yeah, the brain burns, what? 20% of calories come from the brain or are burned by the brain, something, something like that, so. Uh, Kent or Nuvertrak? Um, you want to do Kent? Uh, but just quickly before oh. before I do Kent, I'm just laughing at some of the comments yeah. about Biden's puppet hole. But um, I wanted to say about that and about the brain draining energy and just about frustration. I responded to someone today, and it's worth repeating here because I know a lot of us are getting really frustrated and exhausted and tired of this fight. And, and I just I, – I want to make sure – what you see me modeling online is not the majority of my life so that you know that. So my social media feed is mostly me sharing things about pushing back against this ideology and pushing back against the dominant narrative. But that's because I want to give people tools for doing so or get people's opinions on things about pushing back. And um, when I'm not online, you, you have to be giving yourself space. To, you can't be consumed with this fight because then you're no different than than they are. They're consumed with pushing this belief system. You have to give yourself space for creating things and doing things that give you joy and going hiking and making a garden and raising your kids and having time with friends and family and, you know, cooking wonderful dinners and just laughing and having fun. That stuff is what keeps you human and keeps you from becoming the monster that you're fighting that to quote that Nietzsche, you know, to reference that Nietzsche thing. So I agree with that, but okay. I don't, I don't I think do, you, you become you the monster just by focusing on fighting the monster. I mean, I get Nietzsche said some cool things, but... I think you could. I think I could. I think I could become so could. consumed with this that I became monstrous if I didn't take time out for things. Knitting, somebody says, yes, I've been cross-stitching. Sure. No, no, I, I mean, I don't anyway. think that's what you're saying is bad necessarily. I just, I don't know that it's... It's different for everyone. Some people have the capacity to, like, 
go hard and like don't they need little downtime and some people need more downtime and recovery and it probably depends on what you're doing what your personality is um yeah. okay you want to read kent or you want me to read kent huh read it. oh kent thank you kent kent you says uh cathedral is reporting clinton at epstein island oh they are oh yeah so the they unsealed some documents i didn't and I the that. maxine what's her name G- uh uh giselle or just just whatever G- just lane jelaine jizzy yeah. okay jizzy max jizzy. don't call they... it jizzy oh, <laughs> you and your sorry biden puppet holes <laughs> jizzy <laughs> sorry they unsealed some documents in her uh, which they, of course, were trying to make sure did not get unsealed. And I don't think they told us anything that we didn't already know and that people who have watched the Epstein documentary on Netflix, which is not that great. There needs Somebody needs to do a really much more in-depth one. Um, but there is a documentary that I saw, and th- that one of the Epstein accusers, one of the victims, uh, Virginia, I'm blanking on her last name, but she reported that Bill Clinton was on Lolita Island and that he was with two young girls, she called them, or young women, but she called them girls. And this is documented. The FBI knew about it. Doesn't yeah. appear there was an investigation into that. Anyone course. who's followed the Clintons is she's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Will anything happen? I mean, it'd be nice, but is this being reported in the mainstream media? Or is it just like a side thing and they're the, they're bitching about COVID. It's on Twitter, but I don't see it in the legacy media. I'm sure it'll be a side note if they even mention it. They're not going to, you know, that you, you know, the baby's going to poop its pants. The mainstream media is, media right, is going to yeah. lie to you. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, Clinton rapes little kids. Oh, well. I, yeah. Yeah, anyone who's paid attention to the Clintons, I don't know how you can pay attention to the Clintons and, and like them in any way. <laughs> But and not get creeped out. Once I started they are, going down some of these rabbit holes, I got pretty creeped out. Yeah. Uh, good. Someone's going to send me links to the actual documents. That's good. I'll read them. Thank you. Um, I, I am interested in this stuff. It's This stuff's tough to read because it's emotionally draining because um, I don't I don't like reading about people doing horrible things to other people, especially children. So, yeah. Um, all right. Andrew Joyner, uh, he gives us a fist bump. And two pounds. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew. Let's see. We got there's there's more. Uh, are we at the G Schultz yet? Maybe, but I'm no. not sure. No. Hold on. No, we're at Ian Burns. Ian Burns. Uh, I don't. Oh, it's too far up. Ian says, "What do you think of Michael Schellenberger's new book being removed from the New York Times bestseller list?" I didn't know that it was, but I will get him on the show. I haven't read it. Michael Schell, I I think the book you're talking about is the um, environmentalist one. I think it's called Apocalypse Never. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was. So, I what do I think about it being removed? I think it makes me want to read it more. <laughs> like just like oh, yeah. okay, they're gonna remove it because it's wrong. Think blah blah blah. Got it. Um, these things tend to have a the Streisand effect, they call it, right? Yeah. The more they try to censor, hopefully, the more people are interested in reading and watching the things they're trying to censor, I hope, you know, and forming their own opinions. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the kind of annoying thing about them banning stuff is it gives me more work to do because, like, stuff I might not have read otherwise. Now I'm like, I guess I have to go read it because you don't want me to. Uh, maybe that's just my personality, but I think that's yeah. a lot of people's personality. They're going to go look at stuff that they otherwise would not have because you're trying to prevent them from looking at it. Uh, and frankly, nothing that could possibly be said in that book is more dangerous than censoring the book. So, uh, okay. A bit shifty. Thank you. A bit shifty says NC right now cooking numbers by sending testing to only high percent plus test communities. They do it to justify every lockdown measure. North. So I'm assuming North Carolina. North Carolina. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's true. I haven't I researched that, but I will say, I, we, my fellow and I, were looking into some of the reports coming out of the local news channels in Florida about how they were. Some of the um, places were having a hundred percent or ninety-nine percent positive rate, which seemed suspicious. And so, <laughs> local local news bit. stations looked into it and called them and then like one of them a, a couple of them retracted their results and said oh i'm sorry we didn't it wasn't 96 percent positive it was 9.6 oops or you know yeah oops <laughs> and so there were at least in florida i was looking at some of those and there were reports coming out that yes they were reporting numbers that were highly inflated positive numbers and some of it might just be incompetence but uh true you know it, it's uh Again, I would be less suspicious if they weren't trying to censor every freaking thing. <laughs> like, if they were just, like, having the conversation. If Dr. Erickson was chatting with Dr. Fauci on CNN, I would be less suspicious. Yeah. But he's not. So here we go. Or uh, or the better yet, the Stanford doctor. What was his name? Ionitis or whatever his name is. Um, yeah. Uh, why bother? Thank you, why bother? He says, you, and we already know that there is a broader context to what Einstein developed, but we should have GPS. We would have, but we would have GPS without it. Eat that, scientism apologists. Uh, yes, there's broader context. I, the word scientism bothers me because um, I don't know whether to employ it or not, because I don't think it's technically the worship of scientists. It's like the worship of scientists science and i don't really know and it's i don't know if it's worship but like i do believe in scientism if scientism means reason and evidence are the way to get information about the world which is i think one of the definitions of it but i also see it being used to explain like worship of scientists in the scientific community which is anti-science so i don't really know what to make of that word but uh we i don't think we would have you say we would have gps without a, i don't we would not have gps without einstein it's, that's what he means yeah, yeah. okay I just want to be clear. That's yeah. my understanding. Not that I'm a, I think. you know, not that I'm a physicist. Um, Ken Lipson, five bucks for Carter's epic priests of shrinks. I don't know what priest of shrinks is, but I did say maybe science. Oh, syrinx. <laughs> priest of syrinx. Yeah. Thank you, Ken. Uh, I'm just uh, an old fogey who can't read words. Uh, all right. Let's see. There's more coming. Man, I am liking the I'm liking the interaction here. I just wish I was faster at scrolling. I need to have a I need to write a little piece of code that pulls out the super chats. Okay. Derek. 
Derek Maggard. Thank you, Derek. He says, I'm having a tough time finding online bookstores that aren't shilling for their BLM or SJW ally stuff in some way. Any recommended bookstores? Actually, I'm going to put this question out to the chat. If you guys have recommended bookstores, whether they're local or national, please let us know because I'm looking for one too. And my local bookstore is completely social justice. Um, One of the people that owns it is also a city council member and she's pushing the social justice ideology in our city council now. She's pushing it at the bookstore. They have a whole quote unquote anti-racism bookshelf. Um, It's gotten to where I used to, I used to tell Carter, he was like, why do you go to that woke bookstore? I'm like, because it's cute and I like it, even though it's woke. Okay. Well, it's reached a level of wokeness. I can't go back there anymore. And it's also in like half price. We have a chain here called half price books. I don't know if that's national or not. And they had a whole anti-racism shelf the other day and a friend sent me a picture of it's the standard books like white fragility and white rage and why I'm no longer talking to white people about race and how to be an anti-racist. It's the whole indoctrination shelf, but they also had a baby book and it was called anti-racist baby. And it was to be read to your baby. It's one of the grossest things I've ever seen. He sent me Welcome screenshots the of the pictures. <laughs> you are, yeah. you and are pic- a horrible person, white baby. White baby. And it's a, and it's a book where it's, it's like, you know, confess to your baby about I any racist thoughts you had. What? What are you teaching your baby? <laughs> and it's I, not it's funny. funny. I shouldn't have, laugh. It's it, I mean, it is funny, but it's 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 sad. It's so disgusting. People are buying this book. And indoctrinating their baby? You and I were what talking about it reminds me you? of uh, it reminds me of uh, Brave New World where like soon they'll just have people read that book in utero. <laughs> you can you'll be able to white women will be able to yeah. pay to go have uh, people either read that book or yell at their unborn baby to prep them for their anti racism work that they're expected to do when they're born. Uh, that that'll happen. It's... That'll happen. It's so gross. It's so gross. What are you doing to your children? You know? Yeah. Uh, Well, that just means that, hey, all you rational people, you need to start popping out the kids. We need more kids that are raised uh, with reason and and individualism ethics rather than social justice craziness. Uh, A bit shifty. Thank you. A bit shifty. Go ahead. He says, Google the Rockefeller Foundation. uh, Google the Rockefeller Foundation annual report 2010. It lays it all out. It argues against uh, arguments against it point even harder at why it's the left, not the right. Thank you for that. I haven't I am not familiar with what you're talking about, but anybody who wants to check that out should check it out and see what he see what he means. I know of the The Rockefeller Rockefeller Foundation, Foundation. but I also don't know uh, to what exactly he's uh, referring, although he follows up with another super chat saying, Ari, my last super chat, it's a PDF. Find lockstep. So. All right, we got some homework. Thank you. Thank you for um, the homework. Um, let's see. Next one is the G. Schultz. Hello again, G. Schultz. $5 says, will the three question mark debates balance the fact that we have no protracted presidential campaigning? No campaigning works better for one side than the other. Yeah, that's the other thing that's stacking the deck is there's no Trump rallies happening right now. And I think anybody who's objective can say, whether they voted for him or not, that that the rallies really helped him in 2016. He does well 
with large crowds and being able to do these rallies and get people fired up. And so well, he, um, and he does better when Mark Zuckerberg yeah. and Susan Wojcicki aren't sitting in between him and his base. Right. Yeah. And Jack Dorsey, right? like there's no gatekeeper yeah. at, at a crowd. I actually don't think here's my prediction. And again, I have a spotty track record with predictions. So take it as a grain yeah, of salt, too, but so. I don't think we're going to have debates. I don't think we're going to have debates. I think they're going to say because of COVID, we can't have them in person. And then they're going to figure out some reason why they can't have them online. I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see them no? letting no. Biden. If they do them online though, they can feed Biden answers and we wouldn't know. Right. So That's what I think will happen. Yeah. I think they'll okay. do them online and they'll manipulate them online because they can like, oops, we lost the feed. Oh, oh, oh we cut out Trump here. Like they, they can do a whole bunch of stuff online and they can feed answers. So uh, Biden, it can be. Biden and his entire entourage debating Trump, who's speaking from the cuff, right? Uh, that's what it'll be. Although I don't know how fast Biden can read, so maybe it'll be a challenge for him. Uh, all right. Maybe it won't be Biden. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a deep fake. It is a deep fake of Biden. <laughs> it'll be it'll be a Biden deep fake. That would be. Awesome. And actually for any question, they'll just have, they'll have a bunch of different experts in any of the questions and they'll deep that, and that expert will speak deep fakes to Biden every time. Uh, yeah, we're getting close to that. That's going to happen someday. Totally. Is the next one Ian Burns? No, it's live free. Oh, as no. far as I know. Oh, thank you. Live free. You read that yeah. one. Uh, thank you for your work. You both have helped me with tools to talk about some of these white privilege doctrine issues. That has arisen in my work environment. Good outcomes. Thank you. Um, awesome about the good awesome. outcomes, Liv. That's great That's news. That's great to hear. Thank yeah. you for the encouraging super chat. Yeah. I'm glad people are starting to speak and getting over their fear about speaking about it. Look, don't – I said this to someone yesterday. Don't let them claim the moral high ground and don't let them own opposition to racism and sexism. That's what they try to do. But remember, the reason that – I oppose and hopefully you oppose social justice ideology is because I'm against racism and sexism. Right. They don't get to own that. They don't get to own the opposition to those things. And, and their ideology is racist and sexist. And I think it's pretty easy to point that out with facts. They believe in treating people differently on the basis of race, period. They think we should judge and treat people differently on the basis of race, period. That's easy enough to, to explain their belief system. That's a very easy way to explain what their belief system is that even a five-year-old could understand. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, all right, next, Zulu Charlie. Thank you, Zulu Charlie, Zulu, Zulu Charlie says. Uh, just found you guys this week, keep it up. What's the difference between a lib and a con? Doesn't, does not wanting to destroy everything make one conservative now? <laughs> yeah, actually, it's not conservative. If you're not a social justice warrior, you are an alt-right Nazi, and I think you should just embrace it. So that's that's what it is. That's what it is. Um, although I was never really, I'm not I'm not been a fan of conservatives for a while. I do I do subscribe to the Michael Malice description of conservatives, which is conservatives are progressives driving the speed limit. Uh, they they generally don't have any principled stances on anything uh and just kind of go more slowly than the progressives so uh not a big zulu, fan of conservatives anyway but yeah zulu very nice to meet you and i like your question and yeah i think i think 
these days being a I, I think people who get called conservatives these days are a lot more liberal just because of where the Overton window is shifted. Right. So, you know, well, if you use that people, word, you're a conservative now, right? <laughs> you can't use that word or you're going right. to. Yeah. But, you know, I've people who've watched the show for a while know this, but I, I'm a lifetime Democrat. I voted for my first Republican in 2018 because that Republican, Ted Cruz, I looked at his policies, I looked at Beto's policies, and I said, oh, Beto's an authoritarian, and Ted Cruz is more liberal, and I have to vote for the more liberal candidate. So that was how I popped my Republican cherry, was picking the liberal. <laughs> yeah. Who happened to be, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. Jordy. Jordy, Jordy uh, says, Buckner. just listening in while work, I'll read this one, just listening in while working on cosplay, I find doing fun stuff indeed detoxes from the crazy. I love that. I, and I love cosplay and I love that you're doing it. So I've been to the, uh, I've been to the, um, uh, gosh, Wis, is it Wiscon? Um, down in California. It's a big cosplay convention. I got to go there. It's not with Comic-Con, one of the, it's a different one? Oh, it's different. Yeah, Comic-Con is, is huge now. Different. I mean, it's primarily, it started off about comics, but it's about all kinds of alternative entertainment and stuff now but um uh wiscon was a much smaller event it happened at a hotel but it was a cosplay convention and this comedian i worked with we were doing we were doing a segment on it and it was so much fun and i learned all about how the people who are in the cosplay community or there's, there's all these different types of cosplay we often think of it as just um like the swords and medieval kind of cosplay, but there were definitely people who were doing that, but there were sci-fi LARPing, live action role playing is another word. They were doing sci-fi LARPing, futuristic LARPs. Um, there were ones that were more, um, I, I guess maybe um, nerdy um, intellectual type of cosplay. And it was just really fun. I enjoyed it. So anyway, go on with your cosplay. Enjoy your cosplay. <laughs> okay. Do you want to do Miss Dogtastic? Sarcastic, thank you, says, I'm a New York City school teacher who's told to lower my expectations for black students in the name of, quote, equity. Thank you both for helping me find the words to fight against this racist nonsense. Thank you for being a teacher at this point in history, because we need teachers like you who care about the well-being and, and of their students and who care about making them, you know, preparing them to be critical thinkers and who are not afraid to push back against this. And I am so glad you're out there doing what you're doing. And yeah, equity, look, lowering your expectations for students because of race or sex, it doesn't help them. The, one of the first and most eloquent people I heard speaking about this was Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell is a black conservative thinker who I had been told never to listen to. <laughs> and once I got out of the social justice cult and I started listening to some of his lectures, I understood why because he's super smart and he destroys this whole narrative of coddling people and how we should coddle people and that's going to make them better. No, he, you know, he tears that apart. And uh, anyway, the people who are going to thank you are your, your black students when they're 30, they're going to look yes. back and thank you. Um, Cause they won't be looking back from jail or whatever you're saving them from by having standards. Uh, all right. Another one from Why Bother. I'm draining. I'm draining my brains out for living in STEM. And my hobbies during the rest. Draining the rest. I would even say I'm fanatical about it. That's why the sentiment. Oh, okay. 
Uh, drain, drain my brains out for a living, I think is what they mean. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's see. Hey, you want to read Maria? Maria, thank you, Maria. She says, Carter, why did you have to bring up reading and research as a way to burn calories? Can you just stop trying to bring your thin white male weight loss schemes into every facet of life? <laughs> I think that's a sarcastic comment. <laughs> Thank you, Maria. Yeah, he is. I need to write a big, long uh, book that's hard to get through, and then I can sell it as a weight loss scheme. Burn calories by reading my book. Call now. I'll throw in Ginsu knives. For those, um, for those of you who don't know, there was a whole the the, the whole SJW um, convergence in the online knitting world has been insane. Maria Tuscan is a is a person who was targeted by the SJW mob. You can check her out at Tuscan Knits, and I think she also kind of is making a joke or about knit and nibble knit and nibble is a two guys who did a book about knitting and mental health and they were roundly attacked and accused of trying to push fat phobia and thin privilege when the book is actually full of recipes for cake and stuff (laughs) (laughs) only stupid fat social justice warriors think recipes for cake is is a recipe for getting thin uh it was because they committed the sin, the grave sin of going on a show where the person asked them about uh, knitting, could, could knitting, it was a weight loss show. And then they asked, could knitting help with weight loss? And he said, he basically was like, I, well, I guess, yeah, because you're, if you're, if you're doing something that's good for your mental health, you're going to be more active. You're going to be moving about. You're not going to be, it's going to get you out of depression. De- getting out of depression is good for weight loss. This was his train of thought. Of course, they raked him over the coals and said he was trying to push weight loss. Anyway, your hands are busy, so you can't eat as many potato chips. Um, I think he's made a joke like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is me knitting. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, knitters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this reminds me. One of the other wrong think things that the COVID doctors said on the Monday press conference was, uh, actually, if you're not old. Uh, you're really only at major risk if you have pre-existing conditions like obesity. And we're not talking about how obesity is actually a, a quite a, uh, a problem. And if you if, like have obesity and diabetes, like those are pre-existing conditions that COVID uh, could be a problem for. And I imagine that the recognition of obesity as a potential health problem is uh, completely not allowed. Soon the WHO will tell us that obesity is just a fine way of being and unrelated to health. They've already been doing this. I've mentioned her before, but for anyone who's new, I I have a friend or, you know, used to be a friend, social media acquaintance who came from the comedy and activism world, no medical background whatsoever. Used to work for the ASOU a bit. I'm trying to, there was some other activist type of work in her background. She went on, she's no longer in this position. I, she, after six years, she just moved on to another medical place. But she was hired by Harvard Medical School. And for six, the past six years, her job was like LGBT, blah, 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 coordinator. Her job was in literally indoctrinating Harvard medical students um, onto some SJW tenants. One, that biological sex isn't real. Uh, the other, that being fat is okay and healthy. Being overweight is healthy. Now, there's they conflate a lot of things. We've talked about this with James, how they they use the word colorblind in two different ways. They purposely conflate things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think they do when it gets into the fat phobia issue is they conflate 
the idea that you should treat I, I, I believe that you should treat everyone equally and you shouldn't be rude and insulting to people because of their weight no matter if they're yeah. underweight or overweight or average weight it doesn't matter they're human beings and you don't treat people like like you're a jerk right you don't do that at the same time so so they say if you believe that then you can't criticize obesity or you can't criticize I guess anorexia or you can't but I think that's that's false. You can both believe in treating people equally and not judging them and then also speak about the realities of medicine. I know your eyes are closed because of this Oh wait, I think you've Oh, am I frozen? Did you freeze? At this point in the discussion, the broadcast was interrupted. We're not sure why, but we were able to resume and so we'll pick up the conversation there. All right. Are we back? I'm not sure if we are, but please tell me in chat if we're back. I had the option to resume this. Maybe we are back. Let me, I got to get Carrie back in. I'm sorry about that, guys. Uh, suddenly it stopped. I don't know if it was YouTube, weird storms, whatever. Uh, <laughs> don't know what it was. I rebooted my computer just in case, but I don't think it was my computer. Uh, let's see if we can grab Carrie on Skype here. Uh, no, Carrie is unavailable. Well, she did say she was going to run to the bathroom, so maybe <laughs> she's doing that. Maybe I'll try and get through some. There were some super chats we missed, uh, but I've got to scroll now to find them. Um, oh, actually, we might have lost old super chats, which I feel super bad about. Yeah, we did. I lost all of the super chats uh, up until the one I'm about to do. Um, so I lost all the prior comments so i apologize ninja if you know who did it can you collect the old ones and post them in here and tag me and i will read them i just can't put them on screen because i don't see them um henry henry says after being red pilled i've recently revisited some movies and shows i used to love i now watch them in a whole new light can anyone else relate i can uh yeah they're often more disappointing uh, for me, anyway, although maybe you're saying you're seeing some things that are good about them. I don't know, but uh, yeah, Hollywood's been pushing us in the wrong direction for quite some time. I'm going to try Carrie again before I do the next super chat. Let's try her periodically. And she's unavailable. All right. Uh, someone says, conspiracy theory, was it sabotage? Oh, uh, I can put that on the screen. Hold on for a second. We'll do another super chat. Um, Jody Young, thank you, Jody. Jody says, just donating because I love you guys. We love you too, Jody. Um, we really, I've said this before, I don't want to sound sappy, um, but screw it, I'll sound sappy. Uh, I really like the community that we're building. Uh, oh, Carrie's calling me. Here we go. Carrie is possibly back. There she is. She's back. Oh, I can't hear you. Uh, you should be able to, everyone, I think everyone else can hear me. Um, I can. You can or can't? Good. You can. Good. Uh, we we're doing. I was doing some super chats. Uh, why bother? Gives us uh, two bucks and says, conspiracy theory. Was it sabotage? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I do like to. I'm. I have a tendency to like be. I, I love conspiracy theories. I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, if it happens randomly, I'm gonna chalk it up to incompetence. Or frankly, look, I live. I don't live in like. Uh, <laughs> 
I don't live in like the downtown of a major city. So, you know, if the car hits a random redwood tree outside the house, it can kill our internet or like think things happen. So we lose power actually several times a year where I live. So who knows? Uh, I thought it might be my storm. And somebody in the chat said it was because I took my hat off. So uh-huh. I put the magic hat back on. Yeah, put your magic hat back on. Someone also said that my heart was showing. And I resent that, gentlemen. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you say my heart was showing? Ninja, did you give me, Jin. did you post some super chats? Ninja was going to, Ninja was going to compile some super chats for me. But I don't know where they are. Uh, well, while you're looking for them, Henry, yes, I saw Henry's um, comment at the super chat about a uh, revisiting things you used to love once you are red pilled. And yeah, I think I think everybody can relate to that. You know, once you wake up to some things, you sort of, or even if even if you haven't been red pilled, just as you age and you, hopefully, your opinions might change on some things, or you gain greater wisdom just through life experience, you might look at things a little differently. Some things still hold up. I've been enjoying watching old, fun comedies from the 80s, like movies from the 80s, before all the woke stuff happened. And, you know, and I've been, I've enjoyed watching some really old films. Um, one of my favorite old uh, film actresses is Betty Davis. I've, I pretty much have all of her movies and I've started watching some of those again. And, um, I do it, love it the almost, 80s. It, do you, is it just because we're Gen the X? The 80s are great. I don't know. There's there's something about the spirit of the 80s where there's like a recognition that we needed to get over some of the, um, the I'll say conservative in a bad way. Like we needed to get over some of the kind of like stodginess of the past and move on and be a little bit yeah. more open as a, but, but there was this positivity in the 80s that was like, we're going to build the company or we're going to build the time machine or we're going to like, it, the things were just, yeah. there was a positivity that I really, I really, uh, I really miss. Beverly compiled some chats for us. So hold on. So Beverly okay. says one of the super chats we missed said from uh, a bit shifty said race and racism are socially constructed. So thank you. That's true. Uh, for, according to the social justice warriors, uh, <laughs> uh, a bit shifty. And uh, point two, racism is used by white supremacists. Point three, Anti-racism work will never be complete. Oh, so maybe this is uh, like points. They're socially constructed. It's used by white supremacists. So therefore, the work will never be complete. I think as long as there's one bad person in the world, maybe they can argue that. Is that the point? Well, they just – this is just what they say in their books. Like in White Fragility, they always say the work will never be done. So they don't have – if you ask them – questions like practical questions sometimes you can get them off script if it's someone who's recently bought into this stuff and get them to think a little bit and one of the questions i like to ask them is okay assuming let's go with your definition the new definition of racism or sexism right about prejudice plus power you want me to call racism against a specific race merely prejudice and you want me to call sexism against a specific sex merely prejudice okay let's do that let's call it prejudice at what point will things measurable end goal, what measurable point, what measurable end goal will, will that prejudice now become racism and sexism again, in your opinion, will things shift enough that it will become racist and sexist again? And how do we practically at that point stop people from thinking it's okay? Because we've now indoctrinated generations of our children, babies, they have babies, tar- books targeted at babies. How do we then roll that back 
now that you've indoctrinated people to believe that racism is somehow impossible against a specific race or that sexism is impossible against a specific sex, that's so dangerous. Why would you, why would you ever propose something like that in a, in a society? What Sometimes you can get them to think about, well, I guess I don't have a measurable end goal. Right. <laughs> like the work is never complete, right? So, so um, a bit shifties, uh, <laughs> we, we misinterpreted. So I want to, I want to reread this comment with the correct, there was another conclusion. So those are, I was wondering what the P1 and P2 were, their premises. Premise one, race and racism are socially constructed. Premise two, racism is used by white supremacists. Premise three, anti-racism work will never be complete. Conclusion, anti-racism supports white supremacy. Change my mind. Uh, uh, yes, it I like does. That. that is correct. Uh, and thank you a bit shifty. Sorry that I missed that. It was, the chat was split into two for, I think, technical reasons. I don't think Beverly could fit all the stuff in one chat. So, um, yeah, if there's more Ninja that I'm missing, please, please or, or Beverly, I guess, just tag me uh, so, so that I find it and we can put their chats up. Um, there's, there are more actual super chats. Little Ragamuffin says, she gives us 10 bucks and says, uh, she's quoting Winston Churchill, if you're not a liberal when you're 25, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative by the time you're 35, you have no brain. Uh, I thought it was heart and head, but yeah, you're, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a good quote generally. Um, I don't completely agree Thank with you, it, little writer but reference. it's a great quote. I don't, you know what I don't like about that quote? Well, it's not about that quote, about the, about, there's a, there's a false dichotomy that I think goes on, in, which is that, and, and this is pushed by the left actually. And this is what I don't like about the quote is it concedes that false dichotomy, which is the idea that um, using your brain and thinking rationally is, is a lacking a heart. And the, uh, the thing that I hate about, I hate about that is, is let's just talk about, let's just take one feeling, for example, we'll talk about empathy. Empathy is a feeling. It accomplishes zero. It is a necessary feeling for um, maybe inspiring you to do some action in certain cases, but it's, a, it's just a feeling. And if you actually want to practice empathy, you have to practice it in the real world. Like you, you have to practice it in reality. And to practice it in reality, you need to use reason to drive, to come out, to come out with this. Like, oh, what are the things that I need to do that would overall in the long run be the most empathetic toward, like how would I, like what, what do I actually do? What steps do I take? And the left tends to be like, I feel empathy, therefore bleh. And they like, I wanna do bleh. I'm not gonna think about it, bleh. We should like whatever it is. I just want to I want to look at the moment and fix the problem in the moment without any thought of consequences. And the conservatives generally tend to be like, well, you know, if you give him more heroin, he'll stay addicted. And maybe instead the empathetic thing is to wean him off of heroin and blah, blah, blah. And and there and the left is like, you have no heart. How can you not care? You don't have empathy. It's the left who has no empathy. The left, because actual empathy requires the ability to implement actions that work in reality to help people. And if you're gonna cut your brain off and just emote all over the place, you're not helping anyone. In fact, you're undermining efforts by rational people actually trying to solve problems. So I hate the, I hate the false dichotomy and, and, the, and the classification that people who use their brains are not thinking or feel, sorry, are not feeling. Um, 
feeling is the motivation for for doing things and it's necessary but the idea that <laughs> that they don't feel because they don't agree with you on your childlike solutions to stuff is ridiculous <sighs> all right <laughs> Henry <laughs> I, I overwhelmed Henry Carrie says, with that rant <laughs> have you guys ever considered having an SJW as a guest <clears throat> excuse me and converting them live on camera, maybe it could be like an intellectual exorcism. <laughs> Actually, we have considered that before. Carter and I have talked about the possibility of bringing someone on. And I think at the time we disagreed, maybe we wouldn't disagree today. Um, I'm still friends with some people who push social justice ideology, um, some of them in entertainment, some who are comedians. And, um, you know, I would be, totally be open to that if we find the right person and they want to come on. I'm open to having that conversation. Maybe it would just be me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not like opposed to it in any. I'm not opposed to it in any like philosophically moral grounds or anything else or like it's just. Uh, I think it's unlikely to work. First of all, um, it you don't you don't take a social justice warrior. You don't stick a social justice warrior on a chair on, on a conversation with two people who are going to have an intervention on a show and in two hours end up with a non-SJW, like no. that won't work. So I kind of view it as a waste of time, but uh, if I guess if it's interesting to people, it could be fine to have the conversation. It's just, you know, you know, I don't, I don't think it would I think work. It could build, I think it could build bridges and you might be able to, yeah. I'm, but you well, care we'll more see. about building bridges to social justice warriors, and I care more about arming people who aren't social justice warriors against them, right? So that's the different. That's why you and I have a different thought. But about the conversation itself could arm people. It, it could. could be right. Instructive. So I'm kind of ambivalent yeah. about it. I mean, maybe. By the way, so Kent Anofertruck just um, really quickly says, "I disagree. Empathy is the ability to see another's perspective and conceptually feel their negative emotions. Maybe that's just a definition. I don't disagree with that definition. That's my definition of empathy too, but." What I'm saying, I'm not saying empathy is bad. I'm saying empathy is just that. And that's bullshit. That's nothing. I mean, that's necessary, but not a sufficient condition. So running yeah. around saying I've got empathy is like, great, you can breathe, good for you. But if you want to act in the world, you need more than that. You need to figure out, do you give the guy heroin or do you stick him in a room to detox? Those are two different actions. And they require it requires reason to implement in reality. So I don't disagree with that definition of empathy. And I don't say empathy is bad. I'm saying it's a necessary, but in no means, by no means sufficient condition uh, for actually taking action. Um, all right. So C. Jones says, um, I want to read this one. Yep. Thank you, C. Jones, the 20 bucks. He says, my chihuahua, Rico Suave, and I have been tuning in for over a month. My university encourages us to be, quote, mask mentors, and quote, giving woke-like phrases to say to those who won't mask or social distance, they can get bent. <laughs> Love you all. Thank you, C. Jones. They can get bent. Get bent is my favorite uh, when somebody's just being really, really obtuse and it's not worth arguing. It's, it, it, when they're pushing stuff on me on Twitter – promoted tweets that show up in my feed, even though I don't follow those corporations and the tweets are tell are lecturing me, giving me moral lectures from Amazon or Hulu <laughs> or whoever I'm like, get bent. Like I just don't know. Or Gavin Newsom, his tweets show up in my feed sometimes. And he's, he's always saying, wear a mask. So I'm just, no. I, by no. the way, I, whenever I hear you say that, or like, when we talk about that, 
I can't help but think the end of that. Remember we made the stupid Gillette woke video thing that buy my razors. Yeah, your voice, you saying buy our razors. <laughs> I love. I don't know why that that phrase and the way that you said it in that. It's just like it's a perfect ending to that. If you haven't our seen, fingers. it's like a stupidly. It's not even well produced. The sound like the levels are bad. It was like one of its, but it was a funny little video that we did. Um, and there's just something about that moment in that video that. Um, all right, Zulu Charlie. Good. I don't uh, know if you guys ever saw it, but real quick, there was a real nope. meme. It was they used an image from The Simpsons where it had two of The Simpsons characters. I forget which guys um, standing on the street, and there's a woman yelling at them from a building. And somebody made a meme, and they, they had the woman saying, "Hey, you rapist! Buy our razors." <laughs> 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 I love it. <laughs> all right, all right. You rapist. Okay. <laughs> Read Zulu Charlie's tweet. Or do you want me to chat? I mean, at what point did you feel, quote, red pilled? Well, it's funny because I didn't really consider myself red pilled. That was a word that got put on me, but it got it gets put on me enough that I've just decided to use it now. I'm like, okay, I've been red pilled. Um, the reason I wasn't using it first is I don't know what that word can mean any number of things it, depending on what you're red pilled to. Right. So what am I red pilled to be being anti SJW, I guess. Um, anyway, I will use it now. Um, at what point did I feel red pilled? My transition, I've talked about it before, but my transformation and kind of waking up was a slow process. And there were several things that opened my eyes, but it wasn't like I woke up from my belief system in one day at all. But something that helped to red pill me was going down a rabbit hole on YouTube of videos of Trump supporters, people at Trump rallies being physically attacked by people on presumably my side on the left. And that was emotionally really disturbing to me. And it left me crying after watching video after video of this. And I just had I had not known it known it was going on. And I guess you could say I was red pill to that because I believed a narrative that Trump supporters were vi the violent ones and causing violence and stuff. And, and I just I believed that narrative narrative without seeing evidence of it. And then here I was confronted with evidence of a completely different narrative that I had never considered. So that kind of woke me up a little bit. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. All right. Um Beverly is compiling some. By the way, we have a new moderator, Beverly, who has also been doing clips. Which, have you noticed, clips have been coming out. You can thank Beverly. Um, she's also Beverly. now uh, co-moderating to help Ninja Kitty. I don't know if there's going to be a rivalry there or if the two are planning a mutiny, but um, whatever. So you, Beverly's in chat. Thank you, Beverly, for uh, for helping with not only clips uh, but uh, but super chats, any Earth chats. So Beverly's uh, compiled something, Why Bother? It's a two-parter, and it says, uh, thank you, Why Bother? Why Bother sent us a super chat and says, lowering expectations is the worst plague. If I weren't severely disadvantaged during my first 20 years of my life, I don't think I would be able to jump from poverty to upper, upper middle class. Honest, low status, plus dreams do miracles. Yeah, yes. yeah. And and you know that gets back to I it gets back to something I actually wanted to mention about um the weight thing before because uh, 
I've been overweight in my life. In fact, if you go back and look at the early shows, I had a lot more weight on me than I did than I do now. Um, and uh, it's not a people telling me like, like I don't have anyone in my life making fun of me for that. Like I don't have bad people around me, but like no one would have said to me, none of my actual friends would be like, yeah, you're healthy as a, I don't know, healthy as a resource, Carter. Good job. <laughs> like They'd be like, eh, you know, you may feel better about yourself if you <laughs> get healthier. And guess what? I am a, I'm a little bit healthier. I'm not where I want to be. And I do feel better about myself. Uh, and I have fewer health issues now and I have more energy. So uh, the idea that you can never criticize anyone for their behaviors, sometimes you're in a mode like I've gone through modes in my life where I'm like, I don't give a crap. I'm whatever, I'm depressed or things are going on in my life. I'm like letting my health fall apart. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, lying to me about it is it's not gonna help me. Yeah, we've all been there. Of course. With things that we know we shouldn't do that we're doing anyway. That's a very human thing. And it, yeah, it doesn't help for your friends to lie to you about stuff that you're doing that's not a good habit. Right. So, and, and it doesn't yeah, mean they, they dislike they you. You have to be mean. Right. It doesn't mean they dislike you and they have to be mean, but you know. Um, okay. So, and Noah H. Yep. Noah N. Noah N. Noah N. Noah N. says, Carrie, I invited you to a good hydroxychloroquine discussion group. There's a lot of good relevant info in there. Check it. Check your invites. I'll also send a Facebook chat. Oh, thank cool. you so much. Well, thank you, sir, because this is the next thing I want to, I want to get better about, um, I want to start reading some of the alternative doctor's opinions so, and get more familiar with the names of the doctors who disagree and more familiar with what it is they're saying. Cause I've only skimmed the surface and I really appreciate that. So anything you want to send me and just as a note, if you've sent me something on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or email, and I've been slow to get back to you, I apologize. I do try and get through all of them in chunks and it just, uh, I, there's a lot, there's always a lot sitting there. So it doesn't mean I don't care about what you sent me. So thank you for your patience. I just don't respond to email. Uh, <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. So if you're trying to come after me similarly, I, I'll get to you eventually. Uh, and I apologize for the delay. Andrew Thompson, Andrew Thompson, thank you, says, in reference to the bookstore's anti-racism section, make a sign to put over it called White Supremacy Tutorials. Yes, great idea. Just don't get caught, Andrew Thompson. <laughs> because that's probably a hate crime in some spot. If you're in the UK, you'll probably get the cops visiting you for doing that. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's truth in advertising, at least. Uh, why bother? Thank you, why bother? I was brought up by a very successful engineer in Soviet, post-Soviet space and made it into science and later into technology. I'm changing my mind about stuff almost every day. That's how I develop. Yes, and scientists marry a method. Scientists marry <laughs> evidence and reason, and we would all be better off. Uh, or they should. Doing the same thing as they, sh as they should. Uh, they're so, supposed they to. They're supposed to. They, they, scientists are also human, so... Uh, um, by the way, someone earlier, I remember said something about, uh, me not knowing Rush, but like, yes, I like Ayn Rand and I know that Rush was influenced by Ayn Rand. I never got into Rush. I listened to 2012. It was all right. I do like that genre of music generally, but Rush just never, Tom Sawyer is like the only song that, you know, like everyone else, uh, I like, but, uh, sorry, don't know my Rush. 
Andrew uh, Thompson, thank you. Yep. Andrew says, Carter, did you see Dave Smith's part of the Problem podcast with Spike Cohen? Dave grilled Spike on Joe's "We Must Be Actively Anti-Racist" tweet. Oh, I did not. I don't have time to listen to podcasts anymore, unfortunately. Um, but we should get. I mean, I like Dave Smith, um, and uh, I would be curious. I'm super curious to how that grilling turned out because, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that was an indication that Joe, at the very least, Joe is not aware of the harmful social justice ideology and what's going on. She's just repeating crap. Uh, and uh, Or, the worst case, she's, she agrees with it. So, um, G. Schultz. You want to read G. Schultz? G. Schultz says, dialogue isn't about, quote, working. It's about empathy. Yes, I agree with that. I'm not dialogue sure what that is means. About, well, just that sometimes having empathy for someone in dialogue is... Um, more important than I think figuring out like what tactics will work to get them to change their mind. Showing empathy is going to maybe plant seeds that later on maybe oh, they could. Oh, this change. is in reference to having the SJW on, right? Um, dialogue isn't about working; it's about well. But the question was, you should bring this person on and convert them, right? So that implies it would work, right? That's what that implied, which is why that's how I responded. Uh, I don't think it would work. I don't think they would get converted. Could we have a dialogue? Yeah, of course we could have a dialogue. Uh, but, you know, th that's, that's, I wasn't replying to the fact that we couldn't have a dialogue. Uh, actually, for, on my last comment, can we really expect to live beside one another if reason, debate, and action isn't preceded by empathy? No. I, I, like I said, empathy is a necessary but not sufficient condition. Like, yeah, you need empathy. Uh, absolutely. But running around like you're the only person with empathy and armed only with empathy is dangerous because you're not armed with your brain. You're just armed with feelings, which is good. You need those feelings. They spur you to action. I totally agree. It's necessary. But it's not sufficient. I can't say that enough. Uh, a bit shifty. Do you want a to read shifty a bit shifty? Says, if you want to cause a race war, pick one race of kids, have classmates shame them and teach them why their kind should shut up and listen out of guilt. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at the ways that, you know, Hitler, Hitler wrote about social justice. Hitler was a social justice proponent. Um, I, I learned that the first time I read about that was reading an essay by Samuel Say, who we've had on the show before, who's a, a mm. Christian who writes about social justice ideology from a Christian perspective. And um, and if you look at some of the stuff they were indoctrinating people with, um you know, in Nazi Germany, it's very similar to what they're doing now. It's, it's amazing to me that we can be so blind to, you know, what the, the lessons that we should have already learned. You know, someone on, someone commented on one of our videos recently. I don't look at comments all the time and especially now, cause it's just, it, there's gets to be more and more. And then I end up arguing with people on comments, which is not a good way use of my time. Uh, but, uh, there was someone commented something like, isn't this like, I forget, I'm paraphrasing, but something about something like, isn't all this anti-racism stuff like exactly the same as Nazism? Like, how, am I missing something? Uh, and no. No, you're not, you're not missing anything. He's like, why hasn't anyone said that? People have said it. We talk about it sometimes. It's just when you say it that directly, it's uh, if people haven't, if they don't understand uh, an explanation behind it, it doesn't work. It does, doesn't convince them. You're just like, that's like, then you're just calling them a Nazi. You got to explain why it's the same as Nazism. 
but it, it is. I mean, you're picking a group of people and blaming them for everything um, and treating people differently based on race. And as Carrie said, focused on social justice. Um, Beverly compiled uh, some old ones from Why Bother? Um, Why Bother says, thank you, Why Bother says, lowering expectations is the worst plague. If I weren't severely disadvantaged from, oh, did we already read this one? We read that one, yep. Oh, sorry, Beverly. Sorry, and well, uh, I agree with Why Bother again the second time. <laughs> sorry. Hen Henry says, this is a new one. Oh, okay, got it. Um, get Bevel and Beatty on the show. Her YouTube videos yeah. are epic. I She's have reached out to Bevelyn. I would love to have her on the show. So if you guys follow her, mention us to her. Bevel and Beatty is just, I mean, talk about emotion and empathy and stuff. You don't have to agree with her tactics. You don't have to agree with what she's saying. She's Christian, so her message is Christian. But God bless her because she's – She's great at ranting. And she's really great. Yeah. She's going out to these Black Lives Matter, these Marxist um, paintings that cities have paid for with your tax dollars to put on the streets. And she's painting over them. Oh, and she's, yeah, she's being arrested too. for yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And God bless her. Yeah. We don't all have to have the same tactics and we don't all have to have the same message. But if you are pushing back against this evil ideology, you know, I'm happy that you're doing it. And for the most part, maybe the, I, I guess there could be some hypothetical tactic. There are some hypoth hypothetical tactics I wouldn't agree with, but I don't have a problem with what she's doing. I like her. Yep. So um, Beverly gets one from Mandy. So uh, Mandy uh, Caravicius. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, she gave us a super chat earlier and said, <laughs> Joe Biden wants to know who Aunt Tifa is and why she's so mad. Can you help poor old Joel, Joe with an answer? Uh, sure, Joe. It's okay, Joe. Just go go back to the porch and drink some lemonade, Joe. There's, there's, no, there's no answer. Actually, while Carrie's gone, I'm going to pull up little ragamuffin uh, a comment. She said... Um, it's not a super chat, but she says a small amount of public shaming is good. Society should keep us accountable. I completely agree. And I think we have become so averse to any social pressure that we are ending up in this environment in which um, bad actors are given room to fester and get out of control and then social pressure doesn't work anymore. And it, and then you require something greater. And like, if you don't want to have a civil war, you, you start with having uncomfortable conversations, but if you're not going to have uncomfortable conversations, um, eventually like it comes to fists. Like you, you got to stop it early. If you can't do that social pressure early, it builds up and eventually you're, you know, you're fighting for your life. That's, that's how this stuff works guys. So thank you for pointing that out. A little ragamuffin. Uh, I want to apologize to the people who were listening with headphones and Tiger scared them. So I was trying something new today. I had him in the other room, and uh, but then he came. He, he snuck back in when we got when I went to use the bathroom. So I'm going to try having him in the other room from now on. I, I used to think that if I had him in here, I could stop him from barking if he started. And if he's out there, he's just going to keep going. But at least he won't be close to the microphone out there if he does bark. So that's what I'm going to try from now on. And I apologize. I'm I'm getting I'm getting crap in chat for not listening to 2012. Sorry, guys. I'm I'm looking for I'm looking to see if Beverly has. Okay, here. Um. Oh, we got that one. 
Dun, 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 dun. I think we got the super chat. I think I'm There's caught two more. Up. Oh, no. Scotland. This is from Hello Again. Hello oh, Again okay. says, Scotland, first oh, yeah. trans issues, now you are COVID friends. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, I'll read it again. Scotland. Quietly. First transition. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. But that's just. I can't parse it either. Maybe the way it was written. Um, Then the next. But thank you for the super chat. And then Alan uh, Monahan says uh, BLM murals equal Chinese big character posters. I assume that's a reference to communist China and the the propaganda during the Cultural Revolution. And I would say if that's what it's in reference to, I would agree. It is propaganda, and you should, and we should not be paying for it with our tax dollars, and they should yes. not be allowing it for certain organizations and not for others. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. All right. I think I'm just gonna go through. So it's super chats a little harder because I'm I'm looking actually also at non super chats that were saved uh, from before. But I think I caught up to all those. I think we're good. Um, we're good. Whew. Uh, <laughs> I know it's this long, Carrie. Can I, can I, is there anything else you want to talk about? There's one thing that bothered me this week that is, uh, that I want, no, there's more than one thing. There's one other thing I wanted to. Let's hit it and about. quit it. Cause I got to go soon. I got to drive, but yeah. Did you see, did you see that the house judiciary's antitrust subcommittee pulled, uh, Bezos, Sundar Pichai, Mark Zuckerberg and Tim Cook, before the committee yes. this week? Okay. It was, um, it was the all theater. It was the all theater. And um, so those of you who don't know, that's Amazon uh, Alphabet, which is Google, uh, obviously Facebook and, and Apple. Um, and uh, I'm going to put aside the censorship stuff for a minute because the purpose of this, the purpose of this committee was not uh, specifically to go against, like to, to grill them on censorship. So uh, like... I agree there are censorship problems and stuff, but I had a, I had a, I, I didn't watch much of it, but I watched the intro, Mr. Uh, Mr. I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, uh, Sicilian or maybe the Italian like Cicilline or whatever, like <laughs> with that guy, that guy, uh, I watched his, his, his intro in the very beginning of it and, and some, some random parts of it. And, uh, It, I don't want to say this. I, I, all right, I'll say it with a, I'll say it with I'll start with a quote from Atlas Shrugged, since we're reading it right okay. now. When you see that in order to produce, you need to obtain permission from men who produce nothing. When you see that money is flowing to those who deal not in goods but in favors. When you see that men get richer by graft and by pull than by work, and your laws don't protect you against them but protect them against you. When you see corruption being rewarded and honesty becoming a self-sacrifice, you may know that your society is doomed. Now, that's not completely applicable, this quote, not the whole quote, but I had a visceral reaction not to some of the questions and again some of the like censorship stuff fine i had a reaction to the attitude of the antitrust subcommittee now to lay the cards on the table i'm against antitrust law generally i think it's vile but 
I was wondering about your opinions on this. Yeah, I hate antitrust law. However, and again, we're in like a not kind of a mixed economy oligarchy thing. So it doesn't mean there's not companies that deserve like something's wrong. Like I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with some of these larger companies that are in bed with the government. But I'm saying, you know, in a free market, I don't like antitrust law. Um, but this guy, he started with his things. And um, the attitude that I didn't like was was that it was an attitude that you need to apologize for being successful. That was the attitude that I got out of this. So what the guy starts with, despite a litany of privacy scandals and record-breaking fines, okay, so despite the fact that we have fined you a record amount, Facebook continues to enjoy booming profits. So what, you're criticizing his ability to run a company despite he's, he's profitable? Despite record-breaking fines, is that the criticism? Like, if you have real criticisms, and some they sometimes they did have real criticisms, lay the real criticisms down. But there was an um, there was this attitude that they should um, be they should feel bad for being successful. In fact, one of the guys at one point was like, "You're big and successful, and that's not necessarily a problem." But it's like, <laughs> no, it's not a problem. It's something to be proud of. It's pr like, it's good. The other thing this guy says was, and the, I'm just quoting, in the wake of COVID-19, however, they are likely to emerge, he's talking about these, these companies, these four companies, they are likely to emerge stronger and more powerful than before. So he's saying Facebook, Amazon, Google, and, and Alphabet, slash, uh, sorry, um, and uh, Apple are likely to emerge stronger. As American families shift more of their work, shopping, and communication online, these giants stand to profit. Y yeah, good. Locally owned businesses, meanwhile, mom and pop stores on Main Street face an economic crisis unlike any in recent history. Now, this is this guy's intro to grilling these guys. Why? Whose fault is it that mom and pop companies are suffering and everyone has to order anything from Amazon? It's not, I don't like a lot about Bezos. It's not his fault, jerk. It's you. It's the government that's forcing this to happen. You are creating the problem that you're blaming. Hey. Hey, you guys, you're you're going to make a lot of money because of this COVID thing. Well, we wouldn't if it wasn't for you shutting down all these other fucking businesses, you moron. You're the one doing this. You're the one shutting down everyone else and allowing Amazon to get all the business. You're doing that. It's just, this is how they, and so, by the way, this dawned on me, this is why they want COVID. I think they love this lockdown. There's another reason they love this lockdown. This dawned on me after he said this. They love the lockdown because... It's easier to control a few large companies than it is to control an entire market full of companies. So if we can put all the mom and pops out of business and everyone is an Amazon and an Apple and a Google, well, we can, we can sit down with those people and have a conversation and control a larger part of the economy because, you know, who wants a bunch of small businesses to have to deal with if you're a congressman? It's much easier to deal we with can like get, Sundar. We can get money from them and kickbacks and we can get jobs with them after we've finished serving the American people. That's right. Which a lot of them do. They go on to work for Google. They go on to work for Facebook. And and it's easy to control. Like how easy is it? Imagine imagine there being uh, a completely fractured market where no one has more than one percent of anything. I mean that's that's a very fractured market, right? Well, at the very least, if there's a hundred companies that each have one percent, that's a hundred people. You got a strong arm and you know whatever to get your will passed. But if it's only Google, 
Well, sit down with Sundar, threaten him about whatever blackmail you've got on him or that you'll get let a competitor get in or give him a government contract, whatever it is. One guy, you gotta convince one guy you can affect the whole market. So he, so he, so he says this, then he says these companies are, these companies serve as critical arteries to commerce and communication. Okay, yeah, they do. Why is that? Because they didn't exist, like they built those arteries. Like, yeah, like you have an iPhone because Apple built one. You didn't have an iPhone before. It's not like, he, so then he says he he blames them for for staving off entrepreneurship and killing small business. Now, as I just explained, like they helped kill small business. And actually one of the biggest things that staves off entrepreneurship and small business is not big companies. They can have an impact, obviously. Uh, but actually a lot of startups raise money um, with because the reason they're able to raise money is because people think that Google might buy them. So, you know, it might come out in the wash what the effect of a large business is. I don't know uh, in, in, in terms of that. But regulation kills small businesses. You know, not as many businesses have IPO'd because when they passed Sarbanes-Oxley, it cost now roughly $15 million to take your company IPO. Like regulation is expensive and only large companies can can afford it. So killing small business is what this guy is an expert at, not Google and Amazon and Facebook, as much as I don't like them. And actually Amazon does have some pretty horrible practices separately. Again, I don't want, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to whitewash these companies. I'm saying what they're being criticized for is the wrong thing. Um, so then he says, when everyday Americans learn how much their data is being mined, they can't run away fast enough. But in many cases, there's no escape from the surveillance because there is no alternative. People are stuck with bad options. Uh, that's just not true. When everyday Americans learn that their data is being mined, they bitch about it on Facebook and then go back to using Facebook. So look, I don't like that my data is all over the place. I don't like it either. I don't like it any more than you guys do. But when I use a platform, I accept it. And if I don't accept it, I don't use the platform. I'm not on some platforms because I don't want to give them access to data. Like, and some platforms, like I don't pay crap for Facebook. I don't pay them anything. So they got my data. Do I like it? No. Am I careful about how much data I give them? Yes, I try to be. I don't have it installed on my phone, for example, at all, because I don't want them to have access to anything. Like, should they be transparent about what data they have? Yes, blah, blah, blah. We can have that conversation. But Americans don't run fast enough. Americans write some nasty posts and go back to using it. Americans don't care. Should they? I don't know, that's a separate conversation we can have, but they don't, they don't. And, and he's like, you know, there's no alternative. They're stuck with bad options. Yeah, but rewinds 10 years, there weren't those options at all. These options are there because they were introduced by entrepreneurs who built them and companies that built these options and invested capital and took risks and did all this to give you these options. Bitching about these as your only options is kind of rich. You can, be, you can grow up in the 80s with no Facebook. That's an option. You don't have to have Facebook. You don't have to even own an iPhone. Like you don't have to own these things. You don't have to do this. These are advantages that are being offered to you on the free market. You are free to not have them. You can survive just fine. Is your life a little bit more difficult? Do you get some social pressure to be on them from your friends and boss? Yeah, you do. Tough shit. That's because they're successful and people want to use them. Pe most people don't agree with you that your data is more valuable than getting Facebook for free. Most people jump onto Facebook and their data is fine. They don't care. I don't agree with that, but they do. So it, this, isn't a, this isn't the company's fault. Lots of things are these companies' fault, but this is not. But I, 
this is my favorite part. I, I know I'm ranting. This is my favorite part. He says, I love, I love this part because he says this openly. I love when they say the silent part out loud. He says, these platforms enjoy the power to pick winners and losers, to shake down small businesses and enrich themselves while choking off competitors. Their ability to dictate terms, call the shots, upend entire sectors and inspire fear. Like all this stuff is bad, right? What's he going to say about it? Represents the power of a private government. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that's what government does? Wait, the definition of a government is someone who can do all of those things? Thank you for making an anarchist argument, douchebag. That's what you think a government is? You think your job is to inspire fear? You're the government representative. You just said you're, you're in, you have the power to inspire fear. That's my job. That's what he just said. He said it openly. He said it openly. I like, just listen to what they say. Listen to what they say. And by the way, he mentioned Microsoft. This one pisses me off too. Microsoft spent no money lobbying for most of its, most of its life until they were pulled up on an antitrust lawsuit and lost. I think they lost billions of dollars. Then guess what they did? Spent a crap load of money on lobbying and now they're in Washington just like everyone else. They didn't want to be lobbying, but they didn't protect themselves well enough. They didn't, they didn't lobby to stop the antitrust gurus. And you know what they got antitrust nailed for? They, they wanted to give away their operating system to people making computers and they wanted to package the browser with the operating system. And those are two things they own. If you own two things and you say, I'll give you one, but you gotta put the other one with it, that's your prerogative. You don't have to take Microsoft's operating system. You could write your own, you could buy it, you could negotiate better. No one even had to use the browser. It just happened to be on there. You could put another browser on, but no, antitrust, billions of dollars. Microsoft learned their lesson, which is you can't ignore Washington, you gotta buy people. And so now they buy people in Washington just like everyone else because of antitrust law. And I, the whole thing, these guys, they had, they have millions of pages of quote evidence for this investigation of these companies. They've got emails between Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg about buying Instagram that are like, you said you bought them because it was a competitor. How dare you? That's illegal. It's not illegal. Of course you buy them because of their competitor. Yes, that's good business. What the hell are you talking about? I, I just, you, you know, and then Jerry Nadler had the, the gall. Jerry Nadler had the gall. Jerry Nadler's the guy who like, recently the other day was like Antifa's a myth. Antifa's a myth. Someone asked about Antifa in Portland. It's a myth. Then he says, many businesses live in fear of exclusion from these platforms. But he's not talking about conservatives. He's not talking about us. Do you fear exclusion from YouTube? Because I do. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about some other nebulous thing. He doesn't want to have a conversation about censorship. He just wants to have a conversation about controlling these businesses. So I, the thing that, it just the whole thing pissed me off. And you could see them like, Sundar Pajai was like, they, they all accepted. No one had the gall to be like, I'm successful and rich and, and I'm proud of it. Sundar was like, I came from humble beginnings. I'm just trying to help. They all like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we're successful. I'm just trying to do good and help you. No one was like, yeah, I'm rich. And, and by the way, buy my shares because I'm going to make you richer. That's my job. Like no one did that. Right, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg just threw everyone else under the, he was the closest one because he didn't apologize for being rich. He was just like, 
well, uh, Apple's more popular uh, in, in messaging and TikTok is growing faster and Amazon has more ads and, and Google's the biggest ad platform. Don't look at us. And Zuckerberg was just like, <laughs> you know, check out these other guys. <laughs> but like none of them stood up and said, F you. We are, we built these businesses. We deserve the wealth. And we don't have to apologize for being successful and offering a product that people want. Um, I just, but uh, they should apologize and they should for censoring and they need to stop censoring. And I do have a problem with them, uh, squashing. I know it's okay for them to buy competitors up, but the, the, the problem is they do have a monopoly and they have created a, a, a scenario where competitors can't emerge. If you're Gab, Gab is a competitor to Twitter. Gab is never going to actually be able to compete because they are they are discriminated against by a big social. So they couldn't be bought out. So then what happens? Well, they're not allowed to put their app in the the in Apple. The mm-hmm. I've, in Apple, they're not allowed to put mm-hmm. their app on Apple. You can't get it on your iPhone. You can't get it in the Google Play Store. Google discriminates against them. Sure. All of the mainstream media is biased against them and does hit jobs on them, trying to get you to think that they're a white nationalist site so that you won't go there. I understand. The deck is stacked. But that that's and, why I started by saying, I'm not approving everything these companies right. doing. I'm disapproving of how they're being attacked because that's not what that's not how they're being attacked. They're being attacked for being successful and rich. And I know. That's, that's not appropriate. Um, by some, by some, yeah. Well, the, the and, guy who opened the thing, the chairman of the committee, like, yeah. The, the whole antitrust investigation is not, hey, shouldn't you let Gab on your platform? That's that's not that's not the message here. And by the way, I support their right to not let Gab on the platform. Um, the problem Plus, with the, free, the they, problem with the free market is you get what people want, and if people if culture's shitty, you get crap. Okay, goodbye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just like uh, the free market's not like I love the free market because I think it's the best option we've got, but it's not a cure all. It doesn't make the best products rise to the top. The free market gives people what they want. And if people's culture is crap and they want crap, guess what the free market produces? Crap. I agree. I'm just saying. I think that these companies, I had a lot of problems with it. I'm going to save it for another time, though. We'll probably revisit this. Um. Yeah, I, again, I don't have no problems with these companies. Amazon, for example, has like, I don't know, $600 million contracts with the CIA and whatever. Like, I, this is not a, to go back to the Atlas Shrugged analogy, this is not Hank Reardon against like Wesley Mouch or whatever. This is, you know, there's a little bit of Orrin Boyle in all these companies, right? So this is not a stark contrast. I'm not holding these people up as like, you know, uh, perfect icons of, 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 capitalism and, and free markets, but, uh, you know, I, I, I am, the, it's the sentiment that's the problem, right? It's the sentiment. It's that your bigness and success needs to be justified. And you can see them reacting to it. You can see Sundar like, I, I grew up poor. I'm sorry. <laughs> like you can see this, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's so disgusting to me. And the fact that these I mean, these people are like, Congress is populated with predominantly just wastes of skin. There's like ugly, what's the Star Trek? Like ugly bags of mostly water flapping their mouths who've never built a damn thing, like complaining to Zuckerberg about his, you know, he, they, he didn't take his COVID video down fast enough. 
screw you guys. Screw you guys. We don't need Congress to have a successful economy. In fact, you would have a much more successful economy without Congress. Uh, I'll shut up, though. Should we do some super chats and then we can call it a day? Yes, but I have to go because I have to get on the road. So I'm sorry. I'm going to miss the last gonna super leave chats. Me, you're going to leave me to fend for myself because I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of super chats about how I'm a, a wrong thinker. <laughs> I All right. it. Um, it's been fun. Thank you, Carter. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, have a good trip. We love you. And uh, we will see okay. you on Monday. Okay. I love you, too. Buy my shirts. Bye. Buy my shirts. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, all right. I'll do some super chats. You guys can yell at me about how, how dare I like free markets. We need some regulation because, after all, uh, all right. Why bother? Uh, why bother? Said, Thank you, Why Bother. Says, Wine Conf was published in Modern Social Justice Journal. Thanks to Pluckrose, Lindsay, and Bogosian. Great data point. Yeah, they. It's for those of you who don't know, part of their um, project was they took Mind Comp and I think they just changed a few words or did they did they just publish it straight up? I don't remember. They might have like, removed the word Jew and changed with something else. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they got it. They got it published. So there you go. Uh, Marie Busky. Thank you, Marie. She's putting money in. I know I swore. She's putting money into my swear jar. Thank you, Marie. I count on you. I'll try not to swear. I don't want to break break your bank. Uh, Eke Homer. Thank you, Eke. Says, the worst thing about the lockdown is all the mask debating I have to do. That is annoying. Um, that is annoying. All right. Let's see. Come on, someone yell at me about my viewpoint. People don't like free market capitalism. So, Although maybe those people don't super chat. I don't know. Uh, why bother? Uh, thank you, why bother? By the way, love your outro. Keep it up. Thank you. It does change every Kofefi. So you'll have to see what I do every Kofefi if you want to keep up. Um, let's see. Another one, why bother? Uh, thank you, why bother? Hey, Carter, people asking for more rants. <laughs> I know, but sometimes my my rants just are too they're too they're too much. I prefer to write, and I when I rant, I feel like I ramble. I know I ramble, and Carrie's eyes glaze over, and no one wants to watch that. So, all right, um, Noah N. Thank you, Noah. Noah says, Carrie, search Facebook for this group: HCQCQ Efficacy Discussion. Love you all. I'll make sure Carrie searches for that. Um, so, thank you, Noah N. Uh, let's see. Okay, the G. Schultz. <clears throat> let's see, G. Schultz, thank you for the super chat. It says, now I know my better half, now I know how my better half feels. I don't know exactly what that means, but, uh, okay. Um, I'm glad you got some empathy going on. That's good. Uh, let's see. T. Pomeroy, thank you, T. Pomeroy. The treatment of Dr. Emanuel is so racist. I haven't looked into her kooky views, but I have doubts because of the horrible vehement attack. Yeah, I, she was she was definitely attacked. Lots of ad hominem. Um, I, I've, I've seen some alleged kooky views of her, but I don't know. I haven't seen it from her directly. And as an atheist, I'm kind of like, all right. Like, look, if she was a Mormon... Uh, would you be mocking her? Because there's some pretty kooky things that Mormons... In fact, no, let's not even pick on Mormons. If she was a Scientologist, there's plenty of Hollywood Scientologists that don't get picked on, right? Pro probably because Scientology sues everyone who picks on them. But Scientology is like one of the <laughs> kookiest religions you could think of. I mean, uh, the, the evil alien Lord Xenu came down and injected people with antifreeze and blah, blah. Like, it's... 
it's pretty out there. It's pretty out there. Uh, but there's no like, this person's a Scientologist, don't listen to them. Uh, it's just, they just, they're just using words to intimidate you. They're trying to tell you, know, she's kooky, blah, blah, blah. Obviously her kooky religious beliefs um, don't necessarily impact anything she's saying medically. Um, so, uh, <laughs> all right. I think we are, I think we're done. Uh, a couple non-super chats. Um, <laughs> Dion Bram says, there's a very funny video on Twitter about the mask debate that is pretty good. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that one. I have seen the, uh, the woke versus racist video that's floating around. That's pretty good. So, and, uh, all right. So I think we're good. Spontaneous rants are truthful, Kent says. Yes, but they are not always succinct, and sometimes word choice is sloppy, and so then people will pick on, like you said, blah, 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 and I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't word that well, or I didn't mean it that way. Um, so, uh, but I, I don't mind ranting sometimes. My my daughter thinks I, I rant, I don't rant all the time, but I, we, have, we talk at the dinner table. She thinks I should record dinner conversations and play them for you guys, but, you know. All right. I think that's it. Shout out to Beverly and Ninja Kitty for helping us out in in chat, being moderators. Um, I'm not going to push Carrie's store. I'm going to tell you to go to unsafespace.com slash shop. If there's t-shirt ideas that you want, uh, merch ideas that you want, please let Ninja Kitty or Beverly know in Super Chat. They will compile them and send them to us. I won't do all of them um, because I do have a brand strategy here. Uh, and one of those things is I don't give a crap about politics, so don't bother suggesting vote for blah, 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 or stuff about Republicans or Democrats. Carrie likes that. You go to her store for that. But um, but yeah, if you want to support us, you can do so by going to Subscribestar. You can do so by buying merch. Um, and you can do so just by liking and sharing the content. So I appreciate that. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for being in chat with us. Have a great weekend and enjoy your outro. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. Using social justice math, I have calculated a turtle star muddy glow stick chance that these are all rushing bots. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance.
Susan Wojcicki definitely does not think you are a mindless pawn in her Orwellian chess game. That last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.